This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's good, baby? It's Damian Barling, one half of D-Lo and KC, and thank you so much for downloading the podcast here. We really appreciate it, and hopefully you're a subscriber of the podcast. That way you get every single episode, every single day, every single interview, every single clip, every single bit of King's News delivered right here to your mobile device. It doesn't matter if you're subscribing through Apple, Spotify, Google Play. It doesn't matter if you're subscribing through Stitcher or the Odyssey app. You'll get every single episode delivered right here to your mobile device. And if you're using one of the platforms that allow you to rate and review the show, please do, particularly on Apple Podcasts, as I know that's where most of you are listening from. If you could hit the five-star review, if you think we're worth it, it only takes a split second. And if you could leave a review, that would be great as well. The review's cool. Again, it only takes a couple of seconds to do that, but it literally takes just a split second to hit that five-star button, man. We really appreciate you for being here with us. Enjoy the show. Love the ones what's good. One more time for the vibe. Jack. Hit him with the new addition. Can you stand the rain? I love it out there, man. We welcome you in here to the Wednesday, January 24th edition. Happy yeah. birthday to our girl Nikki D. Hey. Nikki yeah. D. She down the hall doing her work for the rock station. But shout out to the homie Nikki D. Happy birthday to you. Welcome into the January 24th edition of D Lo and KC. I'm Damian Barling. He's Kenny Caraway. Yes, sir. Acknowledge me. We're so happy that you're here with us. Shout out to James and Jesse getting through the week without our man Kyle Matson. Got a text from Kyle Matson. He's enjoying himself on the islands. Nice. Uh, he'll be back with us next week. He'll be back in time, though, to cover the uh, NFC Championship game live uh, from uh, Santa Clara. So that'll be good. Make sure you're following across the. Starting to. Starting to get more and more charged up. Yeah, I, I noticed more that already. More I noticed up. that already. Come We're on. actually, Come Kenny, on. Kenny's a little too charged up. We're dismissing him an hour early <laughs> uh, so he can relax a little bit. And come on, baby. He'll come back for the KSFM show, but we're, we're going to have to let our boy go a little bit early because he's, he's, he's wound a little tight uh, right now. Oh. Hey, let's start with an L since there's like no, you know, heavy new guy to get to. We'll talk about how funny the association was last night. Just to. <laughs> Just a, a a wild day in the NBA turned into a wild night uh, that we'll talk about. But, yo, E-Me, 
I didn't even realize Draymond Green wasn't in the USA pool. I didn't see that till today either. Yeah, I didn't see I did. it till today either. I thought and, I saw his hey, name on the list. Salute to you, because Grant Hill told ESPN, yeah, that's our hey, we love him and we're appreciative of everything he's done, but given, you know, recent events, mm. we, we think it's best if if we go in a different direction, you know, for for Paris. Yeah. And which is exactly what you said. Do you ask me yesterday, do I think anything changed? Or anything changed because of what happened? I was like, I don't, I don't think so. Mm. Didn't even notice Draymond's name wasn't on the list. I feel like I thought, I feel like I saw him on the list. Yeah, I, guess I didn't. I, I just, assumed. I just assumed. Yeah, I just assumed it was there, mm. uh, and it's not. So uh, my USA team is a bit in shambles right now, though. Shambles. There was a name that wasn't on the list on my list on my list of twelve mm. that was in the list of forty-one that I think when I had talked to somebody and created this list, this person was more of a question mark. Mm. They're not a question mark anymore. And it's an easy, it's an easy nod. It probably would have been an easy nod and my list just would have been wrong. Kawhi Leonard. Mm. He's on the list. Ka- Ka- Kawhi Leonard's in the pool. He's in the pool. I'm putting Kawhi Leonard on my USA team. Yeah, yeah. Kawhi Leonard, uh, with Draymond Green out, I got Kawhi Leonard on. I know you're still resistant to my Drew Holiday selection, but I'm keeping Drew Holiday. Well, there. I mean, look, somebody didn't told you <laughs> something, so I, I'm, I'm respecting that. The one, the the one, and and I think you, I I, I think the interesting one is Mikel, mm. and I, I, I'll be, I'd be, I'd be curious about De'Aaron. I just the my the thing is I the only person I could see him knocking out is Book and that some people would find that crazy. I don't, but some people would. Yeah. The the only thing that I go back to and I'm not saying it like like De'Aaron is um LeBron or or anything or or has, you know, the pool like that necessarily. But if the process that you laid out, if the process is hey are you interested in being on this team and going to Paris? And I feel like Fox would ask the question, is is this real? Mm. Because if it's not real, don't even bother. Mm. But if it's real, like if you really are considering me, not guaranteeing me anything, but like for real looking at me like an opportunity to go to Paris, then yes, I'm interested. And I I think they are. I I was just giving my – like opinion, like I don't know what the team is, but I think that when you lose, everything's wide open. And if they feel like book doesn't fit, or they felt like like the guy, I think I think Tyrese is. I'd put I'd put Tyrese in ink, mm-hmm. and I'd put Steph in ink. If Steph wants to, mm-hmm. I'd put Steph in ink. Everything outside of that, like LeBron, that's another one that that you you write that in and you can put that in in a sharpie. Whiteout doesn't even work for that. Like, if LeBron <laughs> wants to do it, he gets to do it. Yeah. Everything else, I think, is when when you lose, everything else is is up for grabs. Mm. In my opinion, yeah, everything else is up yeah. for grabs when you lose. Um, we talked about so. My bad. I'm throwing Kawhi Leonard on my team now that I know that Draymond Green is not off. I would agree with that. Uh, and salute to Grant Hill for just being real with, with what the process was. Mm-hmm. Um. Shout out to CNN Sports, too. It's been a long, long time since CNN Sports broke news. <laughs> but they did last night, and the best part about it was no one believed them. 
everybody thought that it was wrong. And nothing from Shams, nothing from... You started getting, I think Chris Haynes tweeted later in the night, which is hilarious, given that Bleacher Report and the NBA on TNT are the same thing. Chris Haynes had to tweet, yeah... No, the 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 Bucks are are definitely in conversations with with Doc Rivers, but a deal has not been agreed to, contrary to earlier reports from our own network. <laughs> but this morning, obviously, everyone confirmed what was told to Kenny four weeks ago that <laughs> Doc Rivers. I can't tell you how funny that is. Like in hindsight, <laughs> Kenny really did tell me three weeks ago. Hey, I think the Bucks are going to fire. Someone told me the Bucks are going to fire Adrian Griffin. <laughs> Word? Yeah. Af- at, like after the season? Well, nah. So, 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 well, no, wait, this is how it happened. The the person hit me up like, Doc is about to coach the Bucks. Mm. I said, what? They have a coach. Like now or next year or what? He's like, I don't know. But Doc is about to coach the Bucks. And if I, I'm, I'm not even going to say no more about who it is or not, but if, if, you knew who told me that, it would be even more hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea who told Kenny that. I thought it was wild when he told me because I know the first thing I asked was like, this offseason? No, they, I was like, no, I know what I said. They going to fire Adrian Griffin after one year? Nah. <laughs> no. I was like, yo, are they going to give him the Nathaniel Hackett treatment? Like Adrian Griffin is Nathaniel Hackett? Yes, in fact, he is. Well, and it is official. Doc Rivers is the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. And as as I was telling the insiders earlier, it's it's clear Mm -hmm. like there's no there's no there's no runway. There's no grace period. There's no. Oh, he only coached half the year. You got a 30 and 13 team. It's not that different than Ty Lue. It's it's virtually identical to Ty Lue. You need to get to the NBA championship. You need to get to the finals at minimum. This is an NBA championship team. You need to win the NBA Finals. Simple as that. I mean, something you haven't done since two thousand eight. And I and I feel like um, I feel like that's that's the case for him, regardless. You know what I mean? So go go to a spot like Milwaukee where you got an abundance of talent. When you have uh, two guys that have the ability to take over any series that you play and give you an opportunity to kind of ironically get this monkey off your back because. He does have an NBA championship, mm-hmm. but he's looked at as a guy that can't get the job done. Yeah, he's he has an NBA championship, but he also has teams. Like, and I guess I guess that's 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 where I'm I'm a little more lenient to Doc. I mean, those three one leads, those are tough to mm. those are those are those are tough to rationalize. Yeah. But how many times do you feel Doc Rivers had the best team in the league? How many times do you feel Doc Rivers had the best team in the conference? Mm. Like, my feeling with the Clippers was always their ascension was at the wrong time. They ascended at the same exact time the Golden State Warriors did. And the Warriors were just that much better. I don't think it was, and I have tremendous respect for for Steve Kerr, but I don't think it was like, oh, my God, Steve Kerr's so much better than Doc Rivers. That's why the Warriors beat the Clippers. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, The Warriors were a little bit better. And that's why they got to where they got. I don't feel like, again... The three one leads, those are tough to rationalize. Uh, that's but in the scheme of things, I don't I guess I just look at I don't think Doc is a failure. Mm. Like who who was it last? The 76ers? 
was that the Sixers? Was it the, 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 the 76ers? 76ers was a was a three one lead, and then oh, or, that's and then a three two going home. Mm. That was. That Were was they the tough. best team in the conference last year? It's for me. It's hard to make that argument because you you were three two. You beat what people believe was the best team in the conference in Boston at home twice on the road twice. Excuse me, and you had to come home and get one, and you couldn't. And then you got blasted by like twenty or thirty in Game Seven. Mm-hmm. That so I, I know I'm dancing around the question, but a little bit. Is he Mike McCarthy? No, no. No. Why not? He no. is Mike McCarthy. He's not Mike McCarthy. He won a ring, he, he gets no. in the playoffs, and he loses. With, no. He is. No, he's, he's not Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy's not good. He's not Mike McCarthy. Doc Rivers is it. You tell me Doc Rivers isn't a good coach. I mean, I think he's as good as Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy's not a good coach. That's not fair, though. Mike McCarthy has the most wins in the regular season in the last three years in the NFL. Yeah, that's fine. And that's after going to, to the uh, playoffs. Every single year with Green Bay and winning a Super Bowl, I think I think that's spot on. That's because I because I know a lot of people I, I, like to nah, talk about Mike McCarthy. That. He he can't be the goddamn the guy who just got fired for the Chargers and be around for yeah, but he can also be, be around the guy for who put Ezekiel Elliott under center. He All right, that's fine. And Doc Rivers couldn't figure out Ben Simmons. Like, well, the, the, like the guys, Mike McCarthy, for 13 years, just gets to the playoffs and wins 11 to 13 games every year. He can't be terrible. He cannot be clutch. He can be somebody that gets scared in the big moment. That's true. But he ain't no bad coach. You want him to coach your team? No. But I also don't think they'd be awful if Mike McCarthy was the coach. He's we'll come back. Two different spots. We'll come back. We'll talk more. Uh, man, more more fallout to the Bucks firing Adrian Griffin, including Exhibit A, B, C, and D. Why, if you're a player, you don't get involved in this. Because mm. they pulled receipts last night, and this is why you don't do it. Mm. We'll talk about it. Uh, plus, I mean, Miles Bridges' name is out there. Uh, not with Sacramento right now, but with Phoenix. We'll talk about that. There are are some, there is some, not trade rumors, but there was a trade story. Maybe hypothetical, I don't know, uh, about the Sacramento Kings. We can talk about that too. Steeler and Casey brought to you by Sky River Casino here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Got clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. 
and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. No, you can't backtrack on a life well, of Odyssey. Well, so if, if, if Life at Odyssey, I was saying, you know, our Life at Odyssey, um, uh, reality show, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's the way it would work. I think it would be off, be awesome. But if we decided to say, man, we can't do reality because maybe not everybody wants to be in front of the camera. So it'd have to or be. Or you'd eventually find out like what you think, like they'd find out what you think about them. <laughs> There's that too. But, you go into them confessionals and start talking about the different people in the building you don't uh, like. That could be a little. Hey, that could be a little awkward at the holiday party. Hey, them, them real world confessionals, boy. I tell you, man, that used to be fire, fire. You get Ruthie. Uh, hopefully, Ruthie's okay. You get her in the confessional. She just be saying whatever. Imagine Casey going into the confessional. Yeah, I'm not mad at Dilo. It wasn't his fault. But I don't know why he got an armchair and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but. I was thinking. Well, there'll be some wild confessionals. You catch me on the wrong day. <laughs> KC would be watching this like, yo, what? We ain't never even talked about that. <laughs> it bees like that. <laughs> it be, it'd be some wild stuff, I'll tell you that. But um so if you had a uh if if you had if we had to script it out and if it was like the office, what if we come across the episode where boss throws out an MMA fighter? Everybody would know it's us. So that's yeah. not a problem. But what But what if we talk about, and I'm not saying anything, I'm just using it specifically. It, hell, it wouldn't even have to be real. What if one of the episodes were uh, two radio hosts literally fight, uh, fist fight in the kitchen area? Mm-hmm. But it's not real. Like, we didn't. that didn't really happen. But we were like, oh, snap. Everything well, they do is based on what happens at Odyssey. Who really fought? Most reality shows aren't real, though. So like, but my, that's my point. We if we had to do it like The Office, you hear what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's not reality; yeah, yeah. it's a uh-huh. scripted you. show. Yeah, but it's based on our stories. Mm-hmm. If one of the episodes was the boss throws out star MMA fighter, they're mm-hmm. like, "Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I know." I, I mm-hmm. remember when he told us about that. Mm-hmm. But if one of the episodes is um, country disc jockey fights with. Uh, we don't have a country station. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> fights with alternative disc jockey in the middle, and they literally fight. They're like, "Oh snap! I wonder who that was. That had to be." That. And it didn't really happen. Like people would allude to these things really happening because mm-hmm. we've already talked about it. So I, I, that's a roundabout way to saying we can't do it scripted. It has to be a reality show. Yeah, it'd be way funnier if we just did it for real. Yeah, because you bring up the like the just jockey fight, another just jockey. We don't forget the '98 Rockers, thirteen twenty war, like two years ago or whatever. <laughs> and here we are, like Vince McMahon at the Gund Arena in Cleveland. Them hoes are off in Panama Beach, waiting to get told what to do next. <laughs> I bought my competition. Oh man! Shout out Nikki D and. Our man Abe, they over at 98 Rock. Big man. ups, Those man. It's love with 98 Rock. Yeah, I love it's Abe, love. man. Abe's a good dude. Yeah, good dude, man. Shot town in the house. Indeed. Uh, more fallout from, hey, how many times have I said, if you're a star player, stay out of it? They pulled receipts on Giannis yesterday. Mm. Oh, they had they had all, they had Giannis. Gian, apparently, Giannis really didn't want Nick Nurse. Mm. That's, that's. So I, 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 was, I was reading a variety of different things, and it was uh, uh, Giannis wanted Adrian Griffin over Nick Nurse, and then another write-up said 
Giannis really didn't want Nick Nurse, mm. so he championed for Adrian Griffin because he felt like that's that's who it was really between. Mm-hmm. And the context doesn't matter anymore because the headline is Giannis wanted Adrian Griffin. What's the problem? Mm. And now here you are, forty three. That move's not made. We all we we could talk about hirings. We all know that move's not made without Giannis's de facto approval. Right. So which is which leads me to say, why not just get involved in it? Because well, I mean, if you're if you're good with this, yeah, like well, if you're good with this, but even even if you're not, they're going to assume you're involved anyway. Yeah, but if they want, so so what's this look like? Well, assumption doesn't matter. Assumption doesn't matter because what's this look like? You championed Adrian Griffin over Nick Nurse. Mm -hmm. What if Nick Nurse beats your ass in the playoffs? Be it Doc Rivers, Adrian Griffin, or whoever. You can't sign Nick Nurse now because he's with Philadelphia 76ers. Mm -hmm. What if the Bucs wanted Nick Nurse? But it was was Giannis who was like, ah, I don't want to do that. he's, He's too much like... Budenholzer, I, I, I need we we need something fresh. This Adrian Griffin guy, we need we need which, something fresh. We need something newer. Which would, to me, to me, that would make sense. Like I would look at that. I'd be like, well, that, I don't know how everybody else in the world would look at that, but I I would look that makes sense. If you are like Giannis, could be like, I don't want to fire. I'm not saying he did, mm-hmm. but I don't want to fire Budenholzer. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, we're firing him. We want to go get Nick Nurse. Like, no, don't get Nick Nurse. He's the same thing if you're going to fire Budenholzer, go get somebody completely different. But that I feel, I feel like that's a mistake organizations make all of the time. It's like you go from, like the Cowboys went from Bill Parcells to Wade Phillips. Mm-hmm. You can't find two more opposite human beings in terms of coaching style than those two. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that that's a, it's the, it's the player's coach versus the, uh, the Bill Parcells, yeah, like the the hard nose coach, right? And it's like you've you've got to find a happy medium. Maybe Nick Nurse was a maybe Nick Nurse was closer to Mike Budenholzer, but different enough mm-hmm. to where it would have been effective. Mm-hmm. I just don't think I don't think if if I was advising a player, I would tell them not to get involved. Hmm. Yeah, I, I I I completely understand that. I would also say they're going to blame you anyway. So you might as well get your two cents in. They're going to blame. He could have he could have had nothing to do with this. And they they're going to be like, "Well, you know whether it's true or not. Well, you know nobody's getting hired without, you know, making sure it's cool with Giannis." Well, yeah, like I don't I don't I don't doubt that. Especially yeah. like in the middle of the season, I don't doubt that that conversation is had. Hey, Giannis, we think we need to. We we're not feeling the direction of this. We've heard Bobby Portis. We've heard these different murmurs coming out of the locker room. We're going to make a change. That that is stated as in a in a in a in a forty three games into the season, mm-hmm. Giannis, we're going to make a change. We're leaning towards Doc Rivers. Mm-hmm. Like it's not. We're going to figure this out later or we're going to have an interim coach for the next 43 games. Your plan is stated in full. Mm-hmm. And I do think Giannis has to sign off on that, yeah. um, especially in season. But when you're going through a coaching search, excuse me, I feel like it's different. 
I feel like it's different when you're going full, full-fledged coaching search. Kobe always said, I, had nothing, I don't have nothing to do with this. Now, he may or may not have been telling the truth other than the time he was on Phil Jackson. <laughs> like, we have a championship team. We need a championship coach. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's contradictory to what I'm saying, but, like, that's, that's advocating for a coach. Mm-hmm. Like, a specific coach, one guy, not picking from a – not, we're going to interview 10 guys. No, no, no. I want one, mm-hmm. and it's him. Because I've played for him. I know what it I, I know he knows what it takes to get this group where we're trying to go. Mm-hmm. That's not, hey, we've got Adrian and Nick and Doc. We got all these guys and pick one. I think they're I think that's different. I, I understand. I understand. I just think that they're gonna the way the media is, the way, you know, the people who follow the league is it don't it don't matter. Like if you got Nick Nurse and they didn't win a championship. They're not going to go any easier on Giannis. Like none of it matters unless you win. Yeah, none of it matters. They could. They're thirty and thirteen. Everything could be great. And if they lose to Joe Mazzula in the second round, nobody's going to be like, "Well, you know, Giannis was right picking Nick Nurse." Like, no, they're going to be like, "He didn't win a championship again." Not with with guys like Giannis, LeBron, and maybe just those two. Maybe Joel's in there too, but really just those two. If you don't win a championship, yeah, Joel's probably in there now. If you don't win a championship, it don't even matter. They're gonna blame you anyway. Well, yeah, but is it blame you like? But then, like, like is the GM label fair? It's not necessarily fair because we don't. We all just assume that's right. We don't know if he actually said any of these things with players or coaches. LeBron had to publicly say that he didn't sub himself out of a game. <laughs> Are y'all crazy? This is LeBron was like. Coach told me to foul, <laughs> and he was subbing me out. Like, that's what I did. Yeah. But when you're watching it, you see LeBron commit a foul and walk to the bench. <laughs> that's hilarious. That man had to publicly state that he didn't sub himself out of a game. Like, that's insane. That is funny. But I, I mean, mean, it's funny. No, it, it is it's, funny, it's funny but, that, but it's insane. But that's my whole point. Like, it doesn't – it don't even matter. It don't, they're going to – they're going to say something regardless. So – not saying that they should have say so or like going against what you're saying, but if he decides he wants to have say so, I understand that too because he's probably like it don't matter. They're gonna blame me anyway. Let me at least get my two cents in. I guess. <laughs> Even if I, I think LeBron had nothing to do with subbing, subbing out the game, and they're like, oh, there he is again, overstepping, de- de- <laughs> defying his head coach, trying to get Darvin Ham fired. <laughs> and if he wouldn't have said nothing, nobody would have said anything different. They would have been like, oh, look at him. He just subs himself out. It's a crazy it's, world we live it's in. It's funny, but it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it's a crazy time we live in with sports, man. Uh, Vic Fangio's out of uh, Miami. Mm. Jesse? Wish this team could be normal for once. It's not... <laughs> It's not like shocking because he, the way he would talk, like at his press conference and stuff, like during the week, was yeah. almost like he wasn't happy with what the GM and stuff was giving him to work with because they did have depth issues and stuff like that. So it's not the crazy, like it's not shocking that he's out of there. Uh, he's a great defensive coordinator, though. I mean, that's the best their defense has been in a while. He is uh, allegedly the top target of the Philadelphia Eagles now. Mm. In fact, the fact that Schefter threw that in his initial tweet probably means Vic Fangio was. It's it's interesting that you can announce a departure with one team and immediately know he's the top target for another team. It's fascinating how that works. 
Uh, but it looks like Vic Fangio will uh, be joining the Philadelphia Eagles here. He, in the uh, days. Uh, Nick Sirianni's doing everything he can to hold yeah, on to that it's job. It's everybody else's fault. <laughs> Nick won't have to worry about the defense now. I'll tell you that much. Fangio can still coach. Fangio's good. Yeah, mm-hmm. their players aren't good. They don't have good players on defense now. They they got a whole off season to go do whatever they got to do, but. Fangio's a good, uh, good defensive uh, coordinator. Mm-hmm. He's not what he was with the 49ers, though. He's not what he was when he was with the 49ers. I, I thought he was fantastic as a D coordinator with the 49ers. He, he's Jesse. You would know a little better from this past year, but it felt like he was a little hit or miss this year. Sometimes he'd be locked in and have things locked up, and other times. I blame Eli Apple more for that than I blame Vic Banjo. Like, 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 um, Miami was injured a lot, so he was working with backups and all that. So I think he did what he, what he could. But the, one of the reasons I also said that about Vic is, yeah, this year he did the same thing. I think in Chicago, the defense in Denver when he was the head coach was was not top shelf. So it's been hit or miss for me for him since he left San Francisco, and I thought he was a, a great defensive coordinator there. He, at the very least. He's a better defensive coordinator than what they had in Philadelphia. Yeah, it's an upgrade for sure. Yeah. Is the Chargers job the only one left open? Because Tennessee hired the the guy Bengals from Bengals offensive Cincinnati. coordinator, Brian Callahan. Mm-hmm. New England made their hire. Falcons yet have, haven't hired anyone Oh, the Falcons. Yet. That Okay, the Falcons. So it was a total of five. So all I'm thinking about is my man Steve Wilkes. Mm. <laughs> Steve, Steve Wilkes maybe. The, the 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 49ers may have a defensive coordinator two years in a row. Yeah. That's usually how it goes. And then the third and year. The third gone. year they're going. Okay. Mike Vrabel's still out there. Bill Belichick's still out there. Do the Panthers I, have a coach? I guess Harbaugh's lurking out there. The Panthers don't have a coach, I don't think. That's a good one. Yeah. I don't think they have a coach. You're right. The Panthers do not. The two and 15. Seahawks Carolina don't Panthers. either. A lot of people thought it was Dan Quinn. That's a good call, Brian. Uh, Man, there's more jobs. I haven't even seen anything about the Seahawks interviewing people. Uh, yeah, I heard. I mean, a lot of people thought. I re- now I remember. I remember Dan Quinn. Yeah, they thought it was Dan Quinn's job. And then maybe he doesn't he interview got destroyed well. In the well, maybe he doesn't play well <laughs> or coordinate well because oh. that's when things changed when they got yeah Dan up in the young- love just hung thirty on that ass. So you're not going to come into this week, <laughs> right? That's that's what happened there. But I, I still have heard that he's. At least in the lead mm. in Seattle. Carolina, Atlanta, Seattle. What's the best job? Well, the Chargers is still open. So True. Well, t- take the Chargers out of it. Best job of those other uh, Tennessee was filled. So we're all we're, these are all NFC teams now? Yeah. Atlanta, Carolina. Seattle, Carolina. Wait. I, I'm sorry. I botched it. Did Washington hire their coach? Washington didn't hire a coach. Jesus Christ, how many jobs are open? I think there's only I two. There was like, I thought there was like five. I think there's only been two that have been filled. I thought there, for some reason, I thought there were like five of them open. Uh, and I knew Tennessee had been filled. New, New England did their thing. They had a plan. Um, yeah, Washington hasn't. That's that. Well, it's not Washington. Mm. I would take Atlanta. Probably show. Atlanta. I guess Atlanta's a quarterback away. I guess Atlanta got some got some good pieces. I'm sorry, is Seattle a bad job? No, 
No, it's not a bad job. I, th- I think I think that's a good job. I don't know if it's better than Atlanta though. Atlanta, their 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 skill players are young right now, like Drake London, Kyle Pitts, Bijan Robinson, um, Tyler Algier, his name is. Like mm-hmm. they're all like younger and stuff like that. DK, like he's getting older and stuff. And you're not gonna be paying. No one pays those receivers um, once past thirty. Lockett's getting older too. Yeah. Damn, is DK approaching thirty already? Yeah, probably so. I think he was a four-year guy, and he's wow. been in the league. Oh, that's right. Been in the league five, six years, I think. Wow. Man, time. Well, no, DK's 26. He's only 26? Yeah. All right, switch around. Tyler Lockett is almost 30, I bet. Tyler Lockett might be almost be 40. I feel like Tyler Lockett yeah, been in the league a couple. 22. I don't know why I thought 24 you get out of college. Tyler, <laughs> Tyler Lockett's 31. Tyler, I feel like yeah. Tyler Lockett been in the league forever. Yeah. Point being, though, Falcons got younger um, players to work with. Okay. I don't know. I really don't know which the best job is. I feel like it's Seattle, but you guys yeah, are kind of talking like me out of it. I, I don't like it. Well, Aldrin brings up a good point, too. It's easier division. You only need about eight wins to get to the playoffs. Man. For Atlanta? Yeah. To at least be on the hunt for a in playoff the spot. In the NFC West, you got to deal with the Niners and the yeah. Rams. Yeah. Well, how much longer are you going to have to deal with the Rams? Well, the Rams had a re- they had a resurgence. No, now no, you're no, 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 no. Don't doubt they had an incredible year, but, but that, at some point that's going to end. Nah, no, no, they had a resurgence with young guys. Like they, like T- Sean McVay did a great job of getting, he got a young running back in there, they got Puka, they got the yeah, other uh, wide receiver. Well, I think you're, I think you're dismissing Matt Stafford a little bit. But that's what I'm saying. You got to make sure you got a quarterback coming out of that, but it's not, it's, it's, they still got Cooper Cup. He'll still be there too, but it's not centered around the older guys, I don't think. I think they're well in Atlanta. The Baker Mayfield era is going to begin in Tampa, so that could be that might lock be, up that division for the next. Might be more reason to wow. go to Atlanta. Wow, still all that man did, you still disrespected my boy. I'd rather play Baker Mayfield than Kyler Stafford <laughs> and Purdy. Well, I'd rather play Baker Mayfield than Sean Kyle Shanahan or oh okay uh, Damian Clark. <laughs> Oh wow! <laughs> These quarterbacks are just what do you have against, you have against well, Brock well, Purdy, pal? Just products of the system. Okay, Damian Clark. I know. I was trying to one up um, big Brock Purdy right there. I was trying to be nice. He's like, yeah, coaches though. You guys are jackasses. That's not what I meant. I think you said Brock Purdy stinks. <laughs> You guys suck, dude. Wait till my well till my wait till my life at Odyssey Confessional for today's show. D'Lo said the single hardest thing in life I had to do was. I, act I like- said I said I did not say that. I said I I, I, I that's did not say that. That's, yeah, Kenny's about to say I'm a pop DJ again. Dr. David's David, right. don't start nothing. Yeah, Dr. David's right. He's about to call me a <laughs> pop see, DJ see, any hey, second. Look, you guys treat me like LeBron and Giannis. I didn't even say that, no. yet that's living in lore forever. See? See, and I that's, refuse. That's fact. That's how and we're going to tell the someone, story forever. I think it was, was Stacy. Someone asked me, did he really say that? I was like, I don't know. I didn't go back to listen. He says he didn't, but I'm just going to live with the fact that I believe that he did. <laughs> We can cut the audio, audio she, to where it says both things. I knew that conversation was good when she asked, did you guys get in a fight? <laughs> and I knew exactly what she was talking about. Uh, kind of. <laughs> Kenny called me a pop DJ and I lost it. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know which one of these jobs is best. But maybe, hey, maybe our man still, Steve Wilkes still has a chance this year. Maybe Washington. It's a slow too. process. Maybe Washington is a good one. 
Well, here's the thing about Washington, new owners trying to make a splash. You, you, I mean, that could be a good or a bad thing, mm-hmm. but you, you've got new owners who, who want to, you know, rid themselves of everything old. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you'll get a fresh start. The problem with some of those guys is this might not be true for Josh Harris, but the problem with some of those guys is you, it, you, you might it, it, immediacy mm. like four and 13 this year. Uh, you, you better be 13 and four next year. Right. That's a bit extreme, or but you playoff, know what I mean? A team. Yeah. A, a bit extreme. Like you've, you've got to turn it around quick in those guys' mm-hmm. eyes, mm-hmm. but because Josh is a, a professional sports franchise owner, Maybe he's a little bit more realistic about how all this works. Washington's a sneaky good job, too, because they got the number two pick in the draft, right? Oh, that could yeah. be a big part of it, and yeah. if the Bears are sticking with Justin Fields, you can either get a haul or take Caleb Williams. I mean, and that's probably the first. I mean, quarterback is probably the first thing you look at, right? Yes. You, if you're a, and all, a, those, all those jobs. Like, so, and I guess what, Eric Bieniemy's just done. Like, he's just never getting a job. Well, that sucks. At least they didn't fire him from Washington, I guess. They got Ron Rivera out of there. There was a – well – I, th- I think he – did I read he – the Raiders are interested in him? Did I read that right? No? Okay. Maybe I didn't. And, uh, and Rivera? Eric B. Enemy. Oh, Eric B. Enemy. Um, I hadn't seen that. I don't okay. know. I, I hadn't seen one way or the other. All right. Well, Vic Vangie, I didn't mean to – Big Dolphin show, huh? Big, 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 well, home, big, 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 big NFL show here. It's better than what I wrote into the rundown. Did you see the Charlotte, Minnesota last two minute report? That was an abomination. So this, this brings up like how there were, for those who didn't see it, there were 10 incorrect calls. Now remember the last two minute report is the final two minutes of a game. That's crazy. I actually saw that headline and was like, did they get any calls right? Like how many plays were actually in the final two minutes that they got 10 of them wrong. Hey, I saw it, it. It made me pose a question. Are are the? Well, it's a two part question. One, are that. the NBA officials the worst in professional sports? And the second part of that is, are there any good officials? Well, it probably depends on what your favorite team is, as to whether you believe there's any good officials or not. Um, well, I mean, I just well, I mean, because we, but we can have a discussion without because it ain't really got nothing to do with. If the you're Kings. a Blazers fan, you believe everyone's an idiot after what happened <laughs> yesterday. Well, I mean, like I said, oh, we didn't even mention we got a protest. We'll get to that. Got, Go we ahead, got we got a, we got a protest. But I mean, I I think like even outside of just being a Kings fan last week, like we watch basketball all the time. These guys are awful. These guys get these guys get suckered. And to me, the biggest thing is them getting suckered into calls routinely is an embarrassment. Well, I think we saw that in the NFL. We saw that the Trent Williams. See, that's that's what I'm Williams saying. Play. They stink too. Yeah. you get. They stink too. Is there any good officials? Baseball umpires about to get replaced by robots. Well, and those robots are going to come to life and attack Kenny one day. Well, not I, I me, I'll be gone. I don't think. I'm siding with you aliens anyway. Oh, that's right. That's right. I don't You're think, moving to Miami. <laughs> I don't think refs are good, but it's almost to a point where like, any. I don't think any, there's no such thing as a good referee. I'm sorry. Like oh, just man. we all we well, all just shout out, shout out to our man Rob Carter. Shout out yeah, Rob Carter, except for Rob Carter. There's some good. Yeah. I'm sorry, it's just you know we we all played sports. We you know this is your talk. But the then we, like I, I seriously though, like referees miss calls and all that. But how like when is it a problem in the NBA? Because like ten missed calls in the last two minutes, and it's like it's not just them. Mike Brown did a PowerPoint presentation or whatever. Like it's not it's all over the league. It's so I I, I guess yeah it's I think the answer to your question is is no perhaps. David says WWE referees are the best. 
But did it? Has anyone ever noticed that every time they're turned their back, something awful happens with their back turn? Like I wouldn't call them the best. Well, now, also, they always get fooled by those managers. Also, they're pretty soft because somebody literally just runs into them, nope. and they're out for thirty seconds. Sometimes they're out for like ten minutes. <laughs> Bro, he just ran into you into the turnbuckle. Nothing really happened, and the like nothing really. And George Steele taught us that the turnbuckles. Covered in 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 stuffing. <laughs> you didn't even hit your head on the turnbuckle. No. You just you had your back to the turnbuckle, and Vader got thrown into no. you, and all of a sudden you're just you're down for oh. You never know with a WWE rep because he could take a forearm to the face, and it's like either he's out for like a minute or he's just some get someone else out of here. <laughs> Nothing was better than when Eddie Guerrero would take a chair. Toss it to that, his opponent, then fall it on the ground, and the ref would turn around <laughs> and see his opponent holding the chair and Eddie Guerrero on the ground, and immediately <laughs> call for a disqualification yeah, or whatever. That was, that was a good one by Eddie. I one. love. I miss Eddie Guerrero. We, we got to get out of here. Great. But I will no, say, we've got to. We can have a further discussion on this officials because we got to. We do have to talk about what happened in Portland last night. Yeah, it ties right into what you're asking. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, Kenny will hate all officials when D-Lo and Casey return here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house and owning it. Having an advocate who can help you navigate negotiations, timelines, inspections, and more can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a realtor can do for you, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Some of these highlights last night, we could just get right into the wild ending with the the Blazers in Oklahoma City. We were just looking at the the highlights, and I have so many issues with what happened in the final seconds. Of course, we were just having a conversation about officiating and how officiating across sports is just awful. This stemmed from the fact that Charlotte in Minnesota, uh, that game that pissed Chris Finch off the other day, the head coach of the Timberwolves, had 10 incorrect calls in the final two minutes that made the final two-minute report. Seven favored Charlotte, three Minnesota, and it's astonishing to think all of that happened uh, in the final two minutes. Then you have what happened last night in Oklahoma City where Chauncey Billups is pretty clearly trying to call a timeout, Mm -hmm. and it's getting missed and it results in a a double dribble call with the Blazers up one. Mm -hmm. I I think they were up two. No, no, I think it was 109, 108 because they made, because he got two technicals, Mm -hmm. but they made one free throw. Mm -hmm. So there's a, there's a, there's a lot to die. There's, there's a lot to, to break apart there, but uh, what's, what's my man's name? Who's Bill Kennedy. Mm -hmm. Bill Kennedy was on that and he was the, 
he gave a extensive answer as to how what why that transpired the way that it did and he was asked why wasn't in the pool report which is the most if you think rec- wrestling is phony the pool report is phonier than that mm. because the, as James has taught us the questions have to be pre-submitted and you're only allowed one follow-up and so they asked Bill Kennedy why wasn't Chauncey Billups granted a timeout in that moment and he said something like the official didn't hear him and then followed it up with the official is taught to 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 officiate the play through completion mm-hmm. so i was i was confused as to why bill kennedy threw that in there because if you didn't hear it you didn't hear it like you can't do anything about that it's odd cuz they're very close to each other but if you didn't hear it you didn't hear it but he threw in the part about officiating to the completion of the play which I thought was odd. And then he was asked why he was assessed the two technicals. One was he made contact with an official, and then he aggressively followed the official. And there's probably a part about Chauncey Billups we have to discuss, but we'll start with the fact that the referees directly, at least it looks like, influenced the outcome of a game last night. No, I mean, they were awful. They were. And here's there's a couple things that I see there. Number one, in that situation, it's a loud arena. There's a lot going on in that mm-hmm. situation. The referee's back was turned to Chauncey Billups. That's right. If he doesn't hear him, that's conceivable, mm-hmm. right? Like, I I get that, you know? Um, number one, there's another referee on the opposite side of the court. He should be able to see that in his peripheral. Or, or I mean, I, it's not their job necessarily, but if you understand the game, if you, and I know these refer, they've seen enough basketball. They understand situations in the game. Your peripheral, if you're the if you're the uh, official on the opposite end of the floor, you okay? They might call a timeout here. Like you have your antennas up. Mm-hmm. You're maybe looking for that out of your peripheral, which is something Chauncey pointed out. Yeah, he, he absolutely. Shit, and I didn't. I didn't. Me and Cha- I didn't even know Chauncey pointed that out. But that's that's. Well, he said normally officials are aware when you have a timeout. Absolutely. they're on alert for uh, timeout being called and a jump ball called. situation or yeah. something like that. Um, so n- number thirty here, if you see on the screen, he should be the one that's got his eye out to see what's going on in Chauncey's direction. Here's the other thing about it, and this is this is what kind of bothers me about. So he's not watching either, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm like just, just again. This is we, we have the ability to have and the video. He, he, and Chauncey's not even in play. his peripheral though. Chauncey's directly in, in front of this guy's line of sight with, with the with the timeout being called. But I'd also say we have. I know there's rules to it and and triggers and all this other stuff. But we've got you know people in Secaucus watching all these games mm-hmm. or replay center. The the uh, NBA officials that are on the court, they get buzzed and alerted all the time for different stuff. Somebody watching this game should have been like, hey, take a look. The guy called a timeout. You know what I mean? And and whether whether you want to change that situation um, as far as like the double dribble or not, or if you want to just take away the technicals and still give OKC the ball, that's fine too. But somebody, there is at the very least – Four sets of eyes between the three officials 
and at least one person in the NBA replay center. There's four sets of eyes looking at this thing. They can't all just walk away from that and be like, ah, you know, what's done is done. Nothing we can do here. You either got to change the call or take the tech text away, in my opinion. So here here again, this this, this is tough. And I, 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 I mean, I feel I feel for these officials in a, in a certain degree in a moment like this. I assume if you see Chauncey and, and for the radio audience, Chauncey's walking towards half court. Uh, I can't tell who that is, is, is getting that's, tied up. Uh, that's uh, Brogdon, I think. Okay, Malcolm Brogdon's getting tied up. I feel like Chauncey might be yelling timeout mm-hmm. and not motioning it. He's yelling. I think that's where he started to yell because as Brogdon turns, it's really quick mm-hmm. from the double dribble to, to like seeing Chauncey make the, make the sign. Mm-hmm. It looks like he's yelling timeout without the motion. And then as Brogdon turns, he starts to get emphatic and make the motion with his hands. And as you pointed out, 30, who's on the opposite side of the floor, he's not watching Chauncey Billups. He's watching the play unfold. Mm. And then you have the, as Bill Kennedy said, the official in the slot, which is not, I didn't know that terminology before. He he was not, he, he, he just, he didn't hear. He didn't hear Chauncey, I guess. And it's like I always say, I'm going to say it too. And Chauncey is like running, trying to call the timeout. I don't. It's wrong, but I I feel like it's relatively close. Like it's quick. It's 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 quick, but in in here's where I talk about the replay center. You got an ability to get it right. You got to build like you. help your officials out that are out there on the floor and can't see everything. You can see everything. So I I hear you. Let me ask you from a, a different aspect of this. You see on the screen the score is one hundred nine to one hundred eight. Mm-hmm. The, the Blazers are winning this game with 15 seconds left. Mm-hmm. It's a double dribble. It's Oklahoma City's ball. If Chauncey controls himself, the, the Blazers are still up. I thought they were, yeah, and I thought that was a, 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 quick, a quick tech as well. That's another problem. Okay. Uh, I thought it was two quick techs. Um, but, I mean, they got the, especially when you're wrong. Like, so, but, but here's the thing, it. though. He probably doesn't know that he's wrong. I, I, I'm, I'm, look, I'm just, I'm so, having a conversation. Know, I'm not trying I, to stop no, him I'm out. No, I'm not, I'm not talking about you, but I'm like, well, at, at some point, like, Chauncey, he's got to get something there. He, he, he didn't. He's got to get something. You're right, though. I don't think he needed to call the technical right there. Like, he caught, so he starts following him, and this is what gets the second technical. You can't do that. He didn't even, 86 didn't even call the technical. 30 did. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Yeah, that's that, tough, like, man. When that's, you're all the in a, in, a, in, a, in a scenario like that, that's tough. Yeah, that's when tough. you're you're wrong at every turn, and you just keep penalizing these guys. That's that's where I say uh, the replay center because I'll, I'll even stall these referees out, which some would say you probably shouldn't, but I'll stall them out a little bit and say they can't see everything or yeah, maybe that, they don't have context of everything. Yeah. But that's where the replay center. Somebody got to come in and be like, man, you were wrong on that one. I feel like he's. I feel like he's. Hey, I'm sorry. I just noticed the little uh, Scott Moat guy laughing at Chauncey Billups. Settle down, pal. <laughs> when Chauncey gets the technical. Well, it's not Scott Moat. Just to be clear, what Kenny meant was the in arena announcer. <laughs> Go back a little bit more. A little bit more. Yeah, watch him. The, the the kind of chubby guy. Just watch him. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Which one? The, not the ball head guy. Now okay. he's out of the frame. The guy to the. Yeah. Here? Watch yeah, yeah. Watch him. He points and in the kinda, blue? Yeah, kind of points and smiles at, at Chauncey. 
Sit I don't think that's the. <laughs> he did. I think that might be like a stats guy or something. That's that's not that's not their Scott Moak. He doesn't have a microphone in front of him. I don't know who that is. Now I'm watching him. Now I'm agitated. Who the hell is that guy? Oh man. But yeah, I, and, and like I said, oh, I'd stall stall those refs out a little bit. Help them out, replay center. Yeah. But I also I also say, in all of this, I think I could be wrong. Chauncey may not feel the same way. The players, the coaches, they may not feel the same way. But if there was a real question and answer in a situation where these refs could be real and transparent and say, you know what? We blew that one. We got it wrong. He called a timeout. We didn't hear him. He was demonstrative afterward. We have to call a tech in that situation. But the original thing, we got it wrong. Our mistake. Let's. Uh, I think. I think they will respect that. I know I would, as opposed to trying to tell me something that I saw something that I didn't see. I know what I just saw. Has an official other than the uh, was it Angel Hernandez? What's the Angel the, the, Hernandez, the official yeah. who missed the the yeah, perfect game uh, call? It was. Um, oh man, it wasn't Angel Hernandez. It was. Um, the dude, his last name was West, right? No, that's Joe West, Cowboy Joe West, who's a menace. No, I don't think it was him. Um, it was Joe Joyce. That's who it was. He Joyce. he was he he's the only one who I've Jim ever heard. Joyce. Yeah, got that wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah I feel horrible. And I got got obviously, res- obviously, it was. Ex- I mean, just incredible historic circumstances. Yeah. But he's the only. <laughs> yeah, I'm, and he I'm got all so the respect sorry in I the got world. That wrong. I think that man was in tears afterwards after the. Uh, after the game, and then the next day, he was the home plate umpire. Yeah. And, and he, pitcher came out. Yeah. yeah he came out he, and he he did was the lineup. He up about that. And, yeah. they, and, and Jim Joyce to this day mm-hmm. gets all the respect in the world because of that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because he came out, he said, I messed up. I think people, I know, once again, I, I can't speak for everybody, but I know myself, I'm sympathetic to just a human missing the call. Like that, that happens. If you come to me and you say, you know what, I missed that one, dog. You know, I I missed it. I'll be on the look next time or whatever. Or, you know, my mistake. All right, it happens. It happens. But don't try to tell me when you're wrong, you're justified in making your wrong choice. Mm-hmm. That infuriates me. Yeah. <laughs> as a player, as a coach, all this other stuff. Don't try and justify or tell me something happened that didn't happen or tell me I didn't see something that I know what I saw. And they do it all the time. They, that's what they – Always do. You're listening to D-Lo and Casey on KIFM, West Sacramento, KRXQ, HD2, Sacramento, ESPN 1320, 98.5 FM HD2, always live on the free Odyssey app uh, and live on 1320 TV as well, Twitch, YouTube, and Twitter. Let's get to our man Garrett. Garrett's an official. Garrett, what do you think about all this? Hey, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Appreciate all that you do. So I officiate high school sports in the Sacramento area, baseball, basketball, football, just about all of it. And recently I had a basketball game, a high school basketball game, where, um, you know, the kids that are at the game, they're freaking out, they're supporting their team. And I had a coach 10 feet away from me who was out of my vision, but, I mean, he was right there screaming for a timeout that I just did not hear. Mm-hmm. And I, the reason I didn't hear is because as an official, 
you are so focused on what is happening directly in front of you with the players, because that's who you're officiating, that you have to be able to block out a lot of the periphery noise that's going on. So, you know, in, in other games that I've been a part of, you, you try to be mindful of, yes, how many timeouts does this team have? Uh, what's the situational awareness? You know, is it at a point of the game where there's a possibility a coach is going to be calling for time? Mm-hmm. And you even go to the extent of telling the coach, hey, if you're going to call your timeout, make sure I see you. If that means you're running 10 feet onto the court and waving your arms and calling time, then do that because we want to make sure to award that timeout before something happens that's counter to how the game flow is working, mm-hmm. like what happened with the with Chauncey Bellis and that double dribble. Um, now, all that said – if the official, as an official, we obviously make mistakes and we miss things, there are magic words that if you use those magic words, there's nothing that we can do. We have to issue penalties on that. So let me ask you something real quick, Garrett. How much in in a situation like that would you rely on, like in this case it was Bill Kennedy on the opposite, how much would you rely on your, your, your team, the other officials out there, to keep an eye on what's going on on the sidelines or what's going on with the coaches? Uh, absolutely. You, you work as a team. You are the third team on the court. So you're meeting throughout the game and discussing situations of what's happening. And, you know, if, if your partner is there, um, you know, if they have a direct line of sight, you're working together and hoping that your partner sees that timeout being called and awards it. You know, if, if they have that view, they're, they're keeping their head on a swivel. They're watching players, keeping an eye on the coach. And the moment the coach make that signal, even if it's not in your zone of what you're covering, you award that because you want to make sure that that happens. Mm-hmm. So okay. a lot of it's situational awareness uh, and just being mindful of, okay, what's the situation in this game right now? What is possible and what could happen? And with something like that, you just have to be aware of, of that possibility. And the moment you, you see it, you acknowledge it, you call the timeout. Appreciate you, yeah. uh, Garrett. Sorry sure. we speak so badly and, about you guys. And 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 I would even be a little more to to uh, to Garrett and what he's got going on because number one, there's no replay center, and mm-hmm. there's two refs in a high school game, mm-hmm. and everything that's going on there as opposed to what's going on in the NBA. And what he talked about, like I, I repeat myself, I guess, and you know, not hearing Chauncey is completely reasonable. Not hearing the timeout from the guy who called the double. Dr- Completely reasonable. Turn. He's focused on this. Might even be looking for a jump ball, whatever the case may be. It's it's completely number thirty. He's got to see. He's got to help his guy out and see that. And then the replay center, they've got to step in. Innovation. And so so not only do you get the call wrong, but then you you pass this guy, who's mad at you for getting the call completely wrong. I'd yeah, I thought given the game scenario, and and again, you know, Gary alluded to it. We don't know, we don't know what was said. Um, I'd but, ask, given, but I'd ask him. I'd agree to show some restraint there. Given, no, I, I understand what I was going to say is given the scenario, you can't. I don't. That, I think that's the wrong call. Mm-hmm. You, you, you. I think calling two technicals in that second, in in that moment, is what make people look at officiating in the league sometimes with a side eye. Mm-hmm. Like, wait a minute, this team's up by one and you just called two technicals on them? On a home floor? Hmm. Or for, for, for Chauncey, on the away floor? Mm-hmm. Mm. 
Mm, I don't know, man. That's a tough look. That's a tough look for everybody. You know, involved. you know one thing that I don't like about um, about I guess it's in every sport, um, but we'll talk about basketball right now. Is that you can't you can't take back a technical. Right. You, you can, know what I mean? Res- like, yeah, you, you can, but you can't take back the points. Right, you can't right. take like back. You do like, it afterwards. That's after what I hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. like, if, if you know, Bill Kennedy is mm-hmm. there and the guy gets gets a technical or whatever, uh, Chauncey gets a technical, and they huddle up, and, hey, what did you see? What did he say? What happened on the double dribble? Maybe you can't reverse the call, but you're like, you know what? Let's take away one of the technicals because we might have we might have missed that one. Mm-hmm. Might have missed that one. So let's take away one of them. But I, I don't like that when the tech is made, it's it's there regardless of what happens, at least for that game. Yeah. Yeah, you can rescind fines and you can rescind number of technicals. Do you think the, they're going to win the, the protest? No, I've never. Has it? Has that it's ever happened, happened before? before? I forgot how it happened, but the Lakers and the Was I alive? Hawks, yeah. Shaq played in or something. Lakers and the Hawks had to play the final. I don't remember that at all. Final like 17 seconds of a game. Oh, I think I do remember that. Yeah, 2008. It was the last time a team won a protest. I think I do remember that. What well, I don't remember what, what the protest was. was Lakers-Hawks. What, what happened when that? The refs, um, he had to sit like the last six, seven minutes of the game or whatever because the refs said he fouled out with six fouls, but he only had five fouls. <laughs> so they had to play the last... Seven minutes of a game? <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah, the, the two sides, the two sides, re, yeah, the two sides replayed the end of the game the next time they met. <laughs> what teams were it? Was it? Oklahoma. Um, Oklahoma uh, or, hold on. I didn't double check the teams, but yeah, it was Lakers and someone else. Or not Lakers, but whoever team Shaq was on at that point. <laughs> to play the last seven minutes. That's incredible. Incredible. How did <laughs> so? That's not well. And and is that that that's that might not even be an officiating error. That that's a scorekeeper error. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's a score well, that's, table error. That's that's scorekeeping. And once again, it's that guy who pointed it at Chauncey, the <laughs> right. little chubby guy who laughed. Got Do your him. job. Pal. I think that it was, was, was Heat Hawks. Heat Hawks. That's what it was. Heat Hawks, not Lakers Hawks. Um, but like that's uh. So, so in that particular case, that's even crazier too. Because I'm sure the Heat, somebody on the Wait, Heat is like, no, he's got on. five fouls. Is this a shoot? Was he not even on the team anymore? <laughs> I guess I got to dive deeper into this. Yeah, story. you, you got to dive deeper basics. into this. This is no dive deeper into this. This is hilarious. <laughs> if he wasn't even on the team when they had to replay that game, when did Shaq get traded to Phoenix? That was probably about 07 or so. Well, no, yeah, 07, well, 08. Okay, this is the, the NBA is absurd. <laughs> Jesus, man, the NBA is that ridiculous. Is funny. <laughs> that is incredible, absolutely but, but, incredible. Uh, the one thing I'll say to Garrett and and I saw uh, Rob Rob Carter was in here too. I understand the game is tough for officials. It's tough. I, I don't dispute that at all. Two things I don't like when it comes to officials is when they act like they're above reproach. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can't talk to them. They they it's it's inconceivable that they got something wrong or they're they've missed some calls or anything else like that. And no, no you're just wrong. Like no, this is what happened. 
Stop. Talk to me like a human being. Talk to me like we're, we're engaging. Just like I don't make the perfect call or the perfect play all the time, you might not see something right or you may have missed the call. And and they do that entirely too much. Um, the, To answer your original question, no. I don't believe the Blazers are going to win this for multiple reasons. I don't mm. think you can win a protest on a missed call. Mm. If so, man, we really blew this 2001 thing. <laughs> Two... <laughs> Chauncey was right, and the refs were wrong on multiple fronts, but it was really close. And it's not like Chauncey is jumping up and down in front of the official. To, like it's a, it can be classified as a human error miss, mm-hmm. right? If the if the league even classifies it as a miss, because they might not. Mm-hmm. But if they classify it as a miss, it'll be classified as a, just it's, it's human error. And well, they gotta classify it as a human error. No, they don't. It, they don't have to classify it as that he missed it's anything. Not a, it's not a. It's not a miss. He called a timeout before the double dribble. That's undisputed. They could say. They could say the ball was loose. They could say it was too close. They, there's. There's. A, I think there's it was. A, it was close. But there, it's undeniable. He even signals while Brogdon. Brogdon hadn't even put the ball on the ground yet. Brogdon so there was had no double turned dribble. when he started the signal, and that's where the double dribble took place. The, but the dribble don't take place till he loses the ball. Yeah, he turned, but he still had to. It's close. Obviously. But there's no disputing he called a timeout before the double dribble. He absolutely did that. So you can say it's human error. That's that could be the reason for it. But there's the timeout right yeah. there. Chauncey's putting the fingers so, together. Well, actually, at that point. I feel like he's calling timeout. Yeah, he here. could be saying. I feel like, it. Yes. I feel like he's screaming timeout. Absolutely. And then and then he's he's not he's right not there. getting it. Ball's, so he starts to emphatically and he signals for it. Yeah, but you see how close this is, right? But it's still. But it. Yeah, I understand. But it's still like if we. If we talk I mean, about what's what's he's calling timeout and Dagnall's calling for a travel or a double dribble. He's I, I thought he, he thought he made the universal travel signal, but he made the universal double dribble signal. Mm. Which I don't know why, but watching a grown man do this is very very funny. <laughs> That's very funny. Shout out Mark Dagnall. I like Chet that doing guy that too. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh go oh, good. Hey, there's good news. We get Chet and Victor again for the has to be the 90th time this oh, season. Dude, that's great. On primetime. <laughs> okay, you're right. It's way funnier when Chet does it. <laughs> My God, look at that dude's arms. Now, Chet. now, now I'm stuck on something. How watch how many people in the crowd do it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's this guy on the bottom? What kind of double dribble is that? Sorry for all the radio listeners. Look at this guy in the this middle. This guy down here? Yeah, right. Yeah. What <laughs> kind of signal is that? Watch him. <laughs> What's he doing? <laughs> My man is hey, hey. <laughs> My man looked like he doing a, a, a new dance from that Soldier Boy record. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, That's so- tough because when I mean, you had a chance to win a game against Oklahoma City on the road. Go ahead, Jesse. So up there on Shaq, yeah, he wasn't there for that protest because he was traded. So they had to renew all that. That's and he hilarious. wasn't even there. That was also Alonzo Mourning's last game too, I guess. Oh wow. Not the protest, but the original one. That oh, absolutely man. hilarious. Wow. We'll come back. Steel and KC brought to you by Sky River Casino. Uh, well, yeah, we, we might have some things going on, but if we don't. We got a lot. Well, um, we do. We're looking at about uh, we're looking at about 140 for the good doctor, and we'll, okay. we'll explain what that is okay. in a few minutes. Um, so I want to get your thoughts and everybody's thoughts um, when we come back on um, what Bobby Marks had to say about the Kings at the trade deadline. Okay. Talk about that next year on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320.
Dr. Flo Jean Cooper, she may be the next mayor of the city of Sacramento. She's on her way in here to the studio to talk with us a little bit. She was a season ticket holder for 12 years for the Sacramento Kings. Oh, man. And I get the feeling by our conversation yesterday, she may have picked an inopportune time to not renew those season tickets. I think there's a lot of people like that. Yeah, we'll talk to her. Yeah. She's uh, Again, she's coming in studio. She should be here in about 30 yeah. minutes or so. Go ahead. And our man Joe Davidson is going to be with us in the two o'clock hour as well. That's right. I just wanted to I wanted to take a, a second to give a shout out. Jesse, get the tape ready for this one. Give a shout out to the Los Angeles Dodgers. It's wow. crazy, right? Shout out to the Los Angeles Dodgers. You know what? No, I'm cutting that for for real. Yeah. No, nah, I mean, look, hey. We'll play it next Tuesday hey, about 320. Hey, oh, man, yeah. Hey. I got a Gotta gotta do what I gotta do here. Cut all of the context out. Just no, I'm sure. I, yeah, yeah. yeah, I know the drill. Trust <laughs> yeah, me. Just get that one part. No context. But no. I, I came across a story yesterday that the Los Angeles Dodgers have resigned, resigned outfielder Andrew Tells, who has schizophrenia, and he hasn't played for them since 2018, and to give him access to the team's health insurance and mental health services, mm. that's why they resigned him. Tolles is not expected to play for the Dodgers this season, but signing with the team will allow him to continue to receive treatment, oh, including salute. counseling, therapy, and medication. That's good stuff. So uh, I thought that was awesome. That's great stuff. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, he and he was a not that it matters, but he was like a a really up and coming player for them, and you know the the schizophrenia just had him wilding out off a little bit, and he, he spiraled and. Uh, that was a that was a while ago. I think this 2018. 2018 so, man. and they're still they're still right there with him, man. So I see good stuff going down, man. I don't care what what team you with, man. I got to show some respect. What was the that. team that you love again? The Giants. No, it's already been said. I didn't even say anything above. Yeah, I said I I'm giving a shout. I'm showing respect. See the media. This is why this this right, why say, the say, don't say, talk say, to say you love the Giants though. I love the Giants. What, don't you gonna mash that up? I can cut the love see, now. See, see I knew that. That's, that's my producer. I knew that. That's my I knew producer that. Boy, right there. I tell you, man. I, that's my producer. That's right why De'Aaron don't talk to y'all. <laughs> <laughs> De'Aaron don't talk to you media people, man. <laughs> that's funny. That's why Harrison don't talk to y'all, man. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Harrison. Uh, you said you had uh, something on Bobby Marks. Yeah, so Bobby Marks, he did a um, one of his great pieces. He always does very extensive pieces. pieces. Yeah, very extensive. <laughs> I don't. I gotta be honest with you, Bobby. I don't care if I. <laughs> I don't know if I care about what Portland is doing at the trade deadline. Hey, but those yeah, that's people why he in the man. Do. That's why he the man. But he he had a a piece on ESPN where he talked about a trade. I think he did it for both conferences, but this one did. was um, one trade for every team in the Western Conference. And obviously I went straight down to the Sacramento Kings, mm -hmm. and his trade for the Kings would be Harrison Barnes, Davion Mitchell, and a first and second rounder for Jeremy Grant. And I got to be honest with you, I'd do that in a heartbeat. Yeah. I wouldn't even think twice. So, yeah, <laughs> not even think twice. Is there a discussion to be had here? I, I do that. <laughs> I, some people probably wouldn't want to give up the the picks like that, but I do that in a heartbeat. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I don't care. How many drafts has Monty had? Three, three or four, four. Yeah, Davion, 
Tyrese, not not in order. Davion, Tyrese, Keegan, mm-hmm. and then this past no year. one. Well, no first round pick, right? Because he got Kobe Jones, and so he's he's had a draft and he's acquired people. But to your well, I, you're right. I get what you're right. You're right. You're right. Um, Ramsey said that's too much. Um, I'm I'm okay. First and a second for Jeremy Grant. I mean, you look at Jeremy Grant. He's going to be a guy. You said a first and a second or two firsts? First and a second. First and it's a one first and one second. Davion and Harrison. I didn't even hear that right. Oh, I'm, <laughs> you are ready, I, I do it right ready now. ready to do two firsts? I thought it was two firsts. Yeah, he said a first rounder and a second oh, rounder. I, I, hey, Monty, <laughs> make the call. If Bobby Marks says you could do it, this I, isn't trade machine nonsense. Right. No, this, this is, is Bobby this Marks. This is Bobby Marks. So you, you definitely can get it done. Yeah, I would do that in a heartbeat. Now that's why Harrison doesn't talk to us. Because <laughs> we do stuff like Sorry, this. Harrison. Love HB. Love HB. Always will. Whether he's a king or not. I'll always have mad respect for Harrison yeah. Lawrence. Oh man, HB HB a good dude and is a good king, man. So got love for him. But one of the things that Bobby talked in that situation. And that keeps Kevin here. That's what I, so Yo. So so one of the things that he talked about in that piece, Bobby Marks did, and I, I think we've talked about it, but you, you, it's about covering all bases, right? And he talked about Malik Monk, and he was like, "There's no way they're trading Malik Monk. He's their mm-hmm. fourth best player. They love him. They want to bring him back, but because of his contract, he he said it as in the first year they can only offer him thirteen million dollars. Now what you can do after that, James Ham has talked about it." But in the first year, I think he said you can only offer him 13. And he said, that's probably why you don't want to include Herter. Because you have to, regardless of what we think about Malik staying and loving it, you can't just get rid of Herter assuming Malik is going to stay. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that 100%. Mm-hmm. Like you, and that would probably, unless you got a, had a conversation, you know, had that Siakam Pacers conversation. Where somebody said, "No, it's, it's good. Mm-hmm. Do what you got to do. He's coming back." Mm-hmm. Unless you've had that, I don't think you can include Kevin Herter in any com- trade conversations at this point. It's a good call. Yeah, it's a great call. Yeah. So, I think I think that's the way they're going to move about things moving forward because you have to have that safety net because there's a, there's only a certain amount of money you can give Malik Monk. So you, you have to have that that safety net. And I think that eliminates Herter from trade conversations if it was me. That's a good call. Yeah, that's a great, great call. Um, Yeah, I like the idea of Jeremy Grant. I mean, obviously, if Bobby Marks did it, the money works. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, Bobby's not going to say Kessler Edwards. Yeah, that's right, right. (laughs) Like, he's going to make the money work. Um, last regular season trade was, in fact, uh, Kessler Edwards uh, for Sacramento. You, um, you know, another thing, Bobby, and this is why we— Monty we, McNair's made 17 trades. That's correct. I didn't think he made that many trades. That's wild. Didn't feel like he has. Yeah. 17 trades. You know, another thing, and this is why we love Bobby Marks, because it's not—Bobby Marks, he, he's just straight down the middle. He don't yeah. show any favor, but he keeps it real. 
Yeah. He there's no bias involved with Bobby Marks. He keeps it a stack and he looks at things, looks at things like a former front office exec, which is what he was. So he mm-hmm. understands these things. First line of, of that article. The Kings elected, rightfully so, mm-hmm. to not use their cap space to add free agents last summer. Instead, renegotiating the contract with all-star DeMontis Sabonis, extending Harrison Barnes, and re-signing Trey Lyles. He gets it, Tim Bontemps. He understands what this is. He also wrote, uh, how the Kings approach the deadline should be based on one factor. Mm. Has the current roster already peaked with its potential? Mm. The answer to that will be easier to evaluate in the offseason after a consecutive playoff appearance, not in early February. Mm. One misguided trade in Sacramento could go from a top, top six team to a playing contender. I thought that was that was interesting. How, that line? Yeah, how he just talked about, like, you don't evaluate whether you've peaked now. That's yeah. something that you do after two full seasons. Hypothetically, if nothing happens from a trade perspective, um, do you think the vibes change February 9th? Maybe. Maybe. because, And I say maybe because say there are people on there who are just like kind of disengaged because of the trade talk and, you know, the uncertainty of what's going on. Maybe once February 9th gets here, they're, all right, I'm here, I'm good. All right, we're, we're going to try and make this run. But they could also say, well, these discussions are coming soon, so it's just putting off the inevitable. So I'm a still not really. Yeah, but you've got a season to finish now. Like, there's a there's difference. You've got a, you've got a, you've got, you've got a pot of gold at the end of the tunnel. I understand. I, I, but I. Whereas now I, all you have is February. Yeah, I, I understand, but I, I could understand, or I don't know if I understand. I feel like you could do I that could every see. year. Yeah. But I, also, I, I think there's people who, who are wired like that. I don't know if any mm-hmm. of these people are. I'm just saying people who are wired like that were like, all right, yeah, you kept me around now, but you're just going to get rid of me in the summer. I got a career to protect. I got to make sure I'm not hurt, you know, for my for my next you know, team or whatever. If you got a career to protect, you got to put, as Mark Jones says, some money on tape. You would think they sh- you think that'd be the case right now. <laughs> well, I think there's more than just the trade deadline stuff. I think the trade deadline stuff might be looming for one particular individual. But, like, for Herter, I don't think that's it. Mm. I don't think that's what it is. You get to February 8th, that's two weeks from today. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow, excuse me, it's two weeks from tomorrow. And I don't, we haven't seen Chris Duarte in a minute. That is over. The the, the Kevin Herter, Chris Duarte, it's, it's, it's right. over. And now you're two weeks further into this and maybe finally, perhaps for the first time, you can settle into this season without worrying about what Mike thinks of you or not. So while the trade deadline has passed and you certainly got that component, you're also two more weeks into you're the starter. You're playing minutes now, even though Mike still gets a little weird with Kevin Herter's minutes. But I think that's more based on Malik Monk than it is on Chris Duarte or anything else. I think that could provide another level of, or a different level of, of 
comfort, and I'm. It's probably not the yeah. right word to use, but you know what I'm saying here. Yeah, uh, no, a level you. of security headed into the final the final stretch of the season. Yeah, no, that's a great point. That's a great point, and like you said, his situation is different from you know a couple of the other guys under the Davions mm-hmm. and the Harrisons. Who, mm-hmm. um, it, it feels like their thing is the trade deadline, not just their uh, their their spot in the rotation or starting lineup or anything like that. I honestly think, man, I think Mike missed a little bit. With the Kevin Herter situation? With Kevin Herter, with Davion, I think he missed. I do too. And I and I get like I get like wanting to try Keon. Mm-hmm. And I get that Keon Keon brought some things to the floor for sure. But like you abandon it pretty quickly. And it's like you were with Davion until Clay Thompson hit a shot over him. And it's almost like, and I'm not suggesting this is what he did, but from a perspective, it looked like he just went, man, this kid's too short. Keon, you could do that, right? Keon, go do it. That's absolutely not what Mike did. Sure as hell is what it feels like. And and then he kind of got, oh, maybe Keon really can't do it. He provides some energy. Ah, I'm going to go back to Davion now. And I don't I, – I don't like that. I don't like that. I, I I didn't I didn't like it last year to be honest with you, mm-hmm. but I I got it. Like you were you were you were trying to figure something out. It still feels like your next guard is important, yeah. and I don't think it's an accident that Davion played a day after Mike Brown said I'm playing De'Aaron and Malik too much, mm-hmm. and. We saw Davion play 22 minutes for the first time at God knows how long. Yeah. And, and played effective, in my opinion. And I just I just watched him play the other day against Atlanta, finally get back out on the court, and I just kept thinking to myself, um, man, it feels like this guy could help. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and it's maybe I'm wrong, missed the boat. There's things I don't see or whatever the case may be. But, you know, this is a guy that I feel like could have helped along the way and if you would have like you said handled that situation a little differently mm-hmm. um and and not saying and i understand there's times when you got to do what you got to do as a coach and i'm not even saying that mike brown didn't do what i'm about to say but man found a way to empower davion instead of having him on pins and needles or or, or not feeling confident or comfortable with what's going on I felt like you could have got a, a lot out of him. But I, I still think you can. I don't, like, if he stays, if he's not traded, um, and he's here for the rest of the season, I think he could be a, a valuable piece to what this team is trying to do if utilized the right way. I also don't think you ever have to wonder if Davion wants to play. Like, if mm-hmm. da- like is it, the stories are legendary. There's, Davion probably hadn't taken a day off, no pun intended, in like five years. Mm-hmm. Like, that man was filming internet series in a gym. Like, that dude wants to play. He wants to be better. For a player like Davion, I don't know him, but watching him and and listening to him for a player like Davion, tell him what you need. Maybe Mike has. Mm -hmm. But I would tell him, this is what I expect of you on a night-to-night basis. This is what I need of you. You talk about empowering. I'm giving you the opportunity to do this. Mm -hmm. Go do it. This is what I need from you on a night-to-night basis. And, again, maybe Mike has done all that. And it's and it's and it's fallen short for him. But just the way that Davion, just just what we see from Davion, at like from the outside, mm-hmm. 
man, it seems like that's the type of stuff he'd thrive on. Yeah. Like that's that's where he becomes great. Yeah. And and, and Kyle Johnson or could in, become great. In the chat he says the Davion numbers are dark. He usually kills them on both ends. Uh, in the numbers. Um I see him. I can't dispute those numbers. Sometimes it's you know a little fizz. You're talking about defensive rating when he's on, when he's not. I mean, yeah. there's so many variables. It's like plus minus for me. You know what I'm saying? So I don't want to completely say he just brings everybody down or or anything. Like that. But um, sometimes you got to go with the numbers. It's also like what first wise. What are we talking about with this defense? Like what 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 are we really seeing here? Does anyone? The numbers, the 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 ranking, they're better defensively this mm-hmm. year. They're closer to where we want, we, we wanted them to be. Mm-hmm. That's a ranking. Mm-hmm. Does anybody think that this team is good defensively? They, I, so, like, what, like, what? They, they just kind of there defensively. And is it Davion's fault? Right. Right. No, it's not. But it's it's not Deanne's fault. It's not Malik. It's not a single individual's fault. Mike had, you know, this idea of. To be a contender, you got to be better defensively. Mike is probably right. History says we. History says Mike is a hundred percent right. Mm-hmm. But the problem with Mike's approach is those teams that we went through all had defensive players. Right. It's great to say you want to be better defensively. It's like every off season, every single off season, coaches say, "Well, we want to play fast. We want to play fast. We're going to play with tempo," and it's great for two weeks. Until you realize your team isn't constructed to play fast. Mm-hmm. Now teams are building themselves to play fast. And you have to build yourself to play a certain way defensively. Yeah. And the Kings aren't built that way. Yeah. No, you're 100% So to expect correct. them to suddenly become a defensive team is a little misguided. Exactly. Though I, Mike was clear, he's not talking about being the number one defense in the league, number two defense in the league. He's talking about being better defensively. They are better. Mm-hmm. The numbers bear out that they're better defensively. Now, where has that gotten everyone? Nowhere. <laughs> the bigger issue is Nowhere. the bigger issue is as as Bobby Marks points out in the article, as Mike pointed out over the weekend, their historic offense went from one to twelve. Mm-hmm. And there, like I looked up, I just did I did the Kenny Caraway. I did points per game. I did not do offensive. I did not Usually do offensive rating. I think if the Kings were in the same spot, if the in, in terms of like I think it was 120 points per game, some like give or take something like that, 120 mm-hmm. point something points per game last year, that would put them like third or fourth this year. Mm-hmm. So that that number that was clearly number one last year mm-hmm. would get you like four, and they're not at that number. They're a couple of points below. They're, I think, in the 118 range. So that's got them, I think, in po- again, points per game, around seven. Hmm. So the offense looks different than it did last year. But I think what bugs Kings fans the most is just the vibes are different. Yeah. Like, things feel different. You have, I, th- I think, there are strikes going on. People aren't talking to the media. This is going on. Now there's now there's factions being formed within with fan groups that these guys don't need to talk to the media. You guys are this. You guys are that. And it's all like, man, that's why that's why we was talking. This when you came in the other day, like, yeah, the beam got lit, mm-hmm. and that's why some people were like, ah, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like it just feels like there's a, a heightened level of frustration right now. Yeah. And part of that was we expected them to be better, and they're about the same. Mm-hmm. But Minnesota's better. 
Oklahoma City is better. Denver is Denver. They're the world champions. The Clippers are on a tear right now. Mm-hmm. Phoenix is lingering. Mm. And it, it and then Dallas, in my opinion, is overachieving. So you're left with like, crap. Where are we? Yeah. I... And so what we talked about last year, things are things are going to be different this year. It's not happy-go-lucky. It's mm-hmm. not um, you know, oh, just the win is good enough. You're going to have to string together some wins. Yeah, you're going to have to um, get people believing that there's a, at the very least, there's more than what we see right now capable from this team. And that, and I'm just saying that's what a lot of people are going to feel. I don't know if that's necessarily fair, but. Stephen A. said, fair is where you judge pigs. Yeah, what are you judging the pigs on? <laughs> oh, I don't know. That's what they do, though, at the what fair. Kinda, what kind of – I think they weigh them. Weigh them. They, I think they poke them a little bit, make sure, like, tender or – I don't know. That sounds terrible. That's where they judge pigs, though. Uh, uh, do they eat the pig? Eventually. Because you said they see if it's tender. Probably eventually. That's terrible. I know. I'm just saying that's what happens. Where's is this? Doesn't happen at the California State I don't Fair, think it does happens. it? No, <laughs> no, I don't think it happens at the, at the California State Fair. Wait, what? I'm judging the pigs? Yeah, yeah, because they have like the FFA programs, right? Like in high schools, like the agriculture. Yeah, I think they do that here. Mm. Oh, well, maybe they judge them. I don't know if they, you know, finish the job. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about, dude. Come on, yeah, of course. Like we all eat. Bacon? Like, yeah. No, we all don't. Not all of us, but majority of California. I do. Yeah. <laughs> we you going to ship them out to Oklahoma? Good kid dad city says it happens at the fair. <laughs> all right. Is that Dr. Flo? Is Dr. Flo here? Oh, she is. Hey, so let's step out. Uh, we'll come back. I know, I know it's a little early, but we'll step out. We'll come back. Uh, we'll talk to uh, Dr. Flo Colfer, who might be the next mayor of the city of Sacramento. Mm. Uh, we'll have some fun uh, next on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. Hold on. Did you just find out Little Caesars was based in no, Detroit? For- is that for- what happened? No, I just forgot about it. Oh. I forgot about it. I like Little Caesars, oh, okay. but I ain't no getting no Little Caesars this week. We hey, have uh, great local pizza also. So we do. Like- well, you know my favorite. My favorite is Slim and Huskies. Absolutely. That's number one in Absolutely. the city for me. Are that you a voice slim you or hear? a husky one? Ooh. Huh? Are you a slim or a husky one? A husky. Okay. I get that right. see no green right. every time. Okay. And it's, you know, right. it's, 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 it's about to be gone. Yep. <laughs> that voice you hear is uh, mayoral candidate, Dr. Flo Kofer. Uh, Dr. Flo, thanks for hanging out with us today. I was talking to, to, to Dr. Flo yesterday. She's a Kings fan. Mm-hmm. 12-year <laughs> season ticket holder. Good stuff. There we go. I mean, you, where where you sit now, Coach? You, you where that? Where that? Where you, that? you hear you hear her laughing, and I'm just curious. What's the what do you what do you what are you laughing about? Uh, there's an, a, an episode of This American Life where uh, they interview the guy who was in the room when someone proposed the internet, and he said he he literally quit the job and was like, "This is a terrible idea, and this company is going nowhere." And every time I think about telling this story, that's what pops into my head. So, 12 years, season ticket holder, Kings winning like 27 games a season, and I'm there for like. 38 out of 44 home games. Like yeah. I'm there. I don't leave early even when we're losing. Like I'm there till the till the bitter end. Yeah. And last year, I said, you know, life is picking up. I'm getting mm-hmm. busy. 
maybe I don't renew this year. Oh, no. Because I just don't know that I have time to attend as many games. They make great gifts, but, you know, it's just, it's a lot. And I'm going to go ahead. I'll I'll come back. And it is the first time that we go to the playoffs. And Mm. all season, I was just like, what? <laughs> Who does that? Twelve years invested. That started it started when we were, you know, over at the Power Balance Pavilion, oh God, former Arco, right? Yeah. Moved to the new stadium. Yeah, that hurts. It's that like hurts, a, Doc. You, you ever seen that meme? <sighs> that meme where the guy's like digging through a tunnel and there's like a giant pot of gold, and he turns around and yeah. quits like. That, that close yes. before yeah. getting yes. that's yes. what Dr. That's Flo me. did. It's Dr. one of those success uh, memes or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Stop right you just before. Don't, you never yeah. know when you're gonna like. You never know whether. It, and I kept talking to myself about sunk cost theory, right? Mm. Which is the idea. Well, I put so much time and energy in it. I don't want to walk away now. Mm. And that often convinces us to continue doing things that don't work, right? Mm. <laughs> like, mm. and so then we look up and we've spent even more time and money on something that went. So I was like. I don't want to be one of those sunk cost people. And it just so happens that that's the very year that. See, the problem for me is I have the uh, opposite thought about money. I'm like, what I say? Five years. I'm not going to remember this he's $200. A, Kenny's a horrible. Ex- <laughs> he's a, he's a, <laughs> in five years, I'm not going to remember this $200. Let me get it now. Kenny's, but I, but I'm going to remember the these shoes example. that I got forever. Yeah, forever. I mean, experiences are important <laughs> ways to spend our resources. His so wife remembers not. the money three years well, from he, now, though. Listen, <laughs> she's listen. Not, some money you forget, some money you remember. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a tough story. That's a tough story. But the good news is, if you become mayor, I'm pretty sure we can get you in there for. <laughs> we could get you in there for free. I mean, yeah. I want to support the Kings. It wasn't about the, you know, I, and I love going to live sporting events. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad coached girls basketball, so um, from a young age, I was around a lot of sports. Um, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, originally, so okay. you know, my 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 whole region roots for the Steelers um, <laughs> and the Pirates and the Penguins. So yeah. it was nice to move to Sacramento, which doesn't actually have a team. So I know everybody like, you know, kind of goes for the Niners or the Raiders, but technically I'm not betraying anybody by maintaining my allegiances to Pittsburgh teams. Mm -hmm. And then I can root for the Rivercats and the Kings and all bases are covered. So it it really is nice to go to feel the energy in the space and be a part of, you know, a live audience watching. And I went to Michigan for grad school. So the big house, you know, I had season tickets. Let's go, baby. Come on. Come on. You got to put some respect on. Well, Let's go, man. We ain't playing out here. National champions. National champions. National champions. But what? Let's go. Y'all can do this without me. Like, I don't even need it. You know what's funny is the person who connected us is a Ohio State fan. He's from listen, Cleveland. Listen, you know, when you mess up big, you know what right is, right? So, I mean. That's a bar. Right? It's a bar. You know, like, That's a bar. Out here misusing articles and stuff. It's it's <laughs> the Ohio State. Right I mean, I'm sorry. How many games did it, your head hey, coach actually coach this hey, year? You know, that yeah, look, we won. Look, look at this, Doc. They can be. <laughs> The Ohio State. We're the national champs. How right. about that? How about that? God damn it. Also, spelling a four-letter word shouldn't be a group sport. I keep trying to explain that to them. Wow. It just shouldn't be. A, it shouldn't be. I'm sorry. It just it's four letters. Should have done more research. Your state. 
Andrew School. I found Spellman. I, I missed the. <laughs> Spellman, listen, I my miss, school are doing well this year. Great. <laughs> Spellman doesn't have sports teams. They actually did away with sports to be able to invest in wellness um, mm. a few years back. But Spellman just got the largest contribution of any HBCU, $100 million from board members. Mm. So I was like, 2024, we got no championships for Michigan. Spellman's getting the largest you know, contribution to an HBCU ever. I'm like, uh, you know, I always. Now I get to be mayor. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Here in Sacramento, I always talk, man, I've talked about this with Damien, uh, California kid, born and raised here in Sacramento. Um, I went to junior college, Sumnus River, mm-hmm. ended up going to Cal State, mm-hmm. East Bay, used to be Hayward when I was mm-hmm. there. Um, one of my regrets in life is that I did not go to an HBCU. Mm-hmm. I thought that all the time. I wish I could go to Howard. I wish I Morehouse mm-hmm. or even Morgan State or something. I wish I could have went to HBCU. How was that experience for you? It was amazing. Honestly, there is something so incredibly powerful about being in a space where you are one of many people who share kind of your demographics, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're at the school, there are 2,000 other black women. Mm-hmm. And, you know, half of them were prom queen and valedictorian, and, right? All these things. So all these little ways that, you know, in your little small bubble of, of elementary, middle, and high school that you thought, mm-hmm. you know, you stood out, now you're being lumped in with a bunch of people who are all of those things and also black women. Right. And so now it's your opportunity, you know, at the beginning of your adulthood to be able to actually figure out who you are Mm. like outside of having to be the representative Mm -hmm. you know because you're the black person in class or because Mm -hmm. you're the right like to actually figure out like what do you like and I will never forget there's a friend of mine who I will not name but she grew up in a in a school where there were only like five you know black students and we were reflecting on our freshman year and I said you know what's one thing you loved and you learned and she said I learned that I don't have to be friends with all black people. <laughs> and I was like, you came to HBCU and figure out. She was like, no, grow it. Like we, there were five of us. We had to hang out. And she was yeah. like, but I'm looking back on some of these relationships going, if we had a greater diversity of people, mm-hmm. I probably would have chosen the more science oriented as opposed to the artsy. But like mm-hmm. we, I mean, it was great. Like I don't have anything against them, but I just learned that, I, you know, like we have diversity within right. our community right. and that there are very different types of black people. And that was really liberating for her because she got to actually explore what were her real interests yeah. as opposed to what were her representational interests. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's just really powerful. Yeah. Was leaving an HBCU and going to Ann Arbor an adjustment? Yes and no. I mean, on one hand, it was. On the other hand, there were a lot of students who came from HBCUs who went to uh, went to University of Michigan. So I had even in my my MPH cohort, there were two other students from Spelman um, who were there. There and then there were students all over. And then my best friend, growing up, who I'd known since I was four, went to Michigan for undergrad and for grad school. Hmm. Uh, so I got a chance to reconnect with her, and I'm you know made a lot of friends. There's a there's a really thriving you know black community at the University of Michigan. And I also got to expand my horizons and, you know, and meet other people as well. So it was really nice to be there. But it wasn't the culture shock that, you know, you might think coming from Atlanta and HBCU. That that episode of Blackish portrayed. Yes. yes. When Andre got out of the HBCU and didn't know how to talk to white people anymore. (laughs) It was not that. Hey, HBCU night at the uh, Golden One Center, February, February 22nd. 22nd. Yes. Get up there, yes. man. It's going to be a good Dilo time. Dilo and KC trying to do their live uh, <laughs> afternoon KSFM show from the Golden One Center. Kendra, 100%. if you're listening. Let's make something happen. Yeah. Let's talk. K- KMB, Let's if you're talk. listening. Um, so, you know, 
on This Is Your Life here on D-Lo and Casey. You said born and raised in Pittsburgh, went to Spelman, went to Ann Arbor. When and how did you get to Sacramento? Yeah, I came to Sacramento about 20 years ago. Uh, I came for a fellowship at the Department of Public Health. And I will admit that uh, I was a, a more of a sight unseen. I think I had been here one time to go to like a museum when I was in the Bay Area visiting some family. And so I moved here like, all right, yeah, I can live in Sacramento for a year. No big deal. Like, I'm, you know, I'm sure it'll be great. It may not be my forever home, but why not? Mm-hmm. And when I took a walk at lunch the first day down Capitol Avenue and saw those palm trees and <laughs> thought about how I'd never have to shovel snow again, I was like... A girl could get used to this because <laughs> I had been in Michigan where like my teardrops were literally freezing in my oh, eye man. when it was like negative 40 outside. Oof. And so being here, I was like, this weather could really be a sell. Yeah. But I also just loved Sacramento immediately. It reminded me so much of Pittsburgh, mm. uh, it, you know, with the tight knit neighborhoods, the rivers flowing through it, it being a midsize city, kind of mm. trying to figure out what its place is mm. in a state that has other larger cities. And so this place really appealed to me. And I also... At that point, it was really clear that the type of work I wanted to do in public health needed to be in a place that was willing to be innovative and forward thinking because otherwise I was going to be, you know, doing righteous work. Right. But doing work that was was like fighting battles that had been won elsewhere. I wasn't going to be on the cutting edge. I was going to be on just kind of trying to maintain. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing, you know, reproductive health and you're in Georgia or other states, like you're just trying to maintain rights. Whereas here we're trying to push forward on what's possible. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to be on that innovative side. And so that's what really attracted me. So I came here for a fellowship. The palm tree sold me, and I've been here ever since. And <laughs> in, in Dr. Flo, the gist of all of this is, is you're running for mayor, obviously, for the city of Sacramento. Where is Sacramento right now? Where is Sacramento? Well, uh, Sacramento is facing unprecedented challenges. Mm. You know, we are now third behind New York and L.A. when it comes to homelessness. Mm. And that was not the case 10 years ago. Ten years ago, we only had 2,500 people experiencing homelessness, and about 70% of them were sheltered. And so I lived downtown 11 years ago, and it's virtually unrecognizable at this point because it has turned into a tent city. Mm. And now we have 10,000 people on our streets, and 72% of them are unsheltered. So these are the people that we're seeing every day. And I know a lot of people will say, you know, the challenge is, of course, you know, back in the 80s, we did away and really the 70s and um, and before we did away with, you know, mental health services here and substance use. And, you know, these things are out of control. And I'm not denying, you know, that those are major challenges in our community. But the truth is the majority of people experiencing substance use and, you know, and mental health are securely housed. What's driving this is that the cost of housing has outpaced the cost of wages. And we are in just a really desperate situation because the limited rent control we have for some people, it only applies to certain places. And your your rent can go up almost 10 percent a year, but nobody's wages are. And so even during the pandemic, we saw the highest increase in the cost of living in the country. Mm-hmm. And we used to be the affordable place mm-hmm. in in California, California where you could come and, you know, and, and be and, and live a good life and have a family. Yeah. And now when I talk to people who are, you know, a decade or so younger, I'm in my early 40s. And, you know, I'm talking to people in their, you know, early 30s, late 20s who are saying, I don't know if there's a future for me here because I can't afford to get ahead. There's more month than there is money mm-hmm. every month. Mm-hmm. And I can't afford to do the things that would allow me to live a good life here that I'm hearing people could do a decade ago. Yeah, it's it's kind of... Um... It's a little bit of a gift and a curse, some of the things that are going on with Sacramento, because 
you, you see different publications and uh, magazines and articles, and they'll say, like, what's the top five up-and-coming cities in the country? Mm-hmm. Sacramento, like, routinely is in the top yep. five. Like, yep. like, Sacramento's booming and all this other stuff. But I remember one time George Carl um, said, because after his time being here in Sacramento, he said something that always stuck with me was Sacramento is a town that's making the transition into a city. And my thought, and you just kind of touched on it a little bit, is like, I love that transition. That's awesome. That is great. Like I said, somebody that was born and raised here, see what's going on downtown, see the you know expansion, how it is becoming you know a bigger city right in front of our very eyes. But how do we grow while not leaving people behind? And that's that's something that I, I don't know. I don't have the answer to, but I hope we find an answer for it. Well, part of that is about protecting the things that are beautiful about Sacramento, right? So the idea that we are really a heavily neighborhood-focused city is important. Mm -hmm. And so that means that when we think about investment, we shouldn't only be investing in our downtown corridor. Mm -hmm. We should be investing all around the city. I think, uh, you know, an admirable goal for us would be that if you were in your community, you don't have to leave. But you sometimes like to. Right. Mm -hmm. So that means that Mm -hmm. you're going to come downtown to see something. You're going to, you know, maybe go across town because you really like that specialty grocery store that's on Stockton Boulevard. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to leave your community in order to be able to buy groceries and be able to do the basic things you need within your neighborhood. And that that really is an aspirational goal. And it's actually one of the reasons why I decided to get involved with Measure U, which was the sales tax Um, community oversight board because there was going to be this new 70 million dollars coming into the city's budget and I was like look I I think we should think about spending this on the things that were promised during the campaign Mm -hmm. which is inclusive economic development making sure we're investing in those corridors you know that that have not always had an opportunity in small businesses and things like that around town and then also housing and homelessness right making sure that we're addressing these concerns and this was five years ago so when we were still you know below five that five you know five thousand or so people experiencing homelessness so it had doubled but it hadn't quadrupled yet Um, and then also the arts community, which is, again, another great opportunity right here in Sacramento that we don't take as close advantage of. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to be able to volunteer and help us figure out strategically where to put those dollars every year. And then, unfortunately, our city failed to do what they promised us they were going to do, which is spend money on those three things. And instead, the money, you know, ended up just going to where it always goes, which is, you know, our police budget and, you know, a little bit here and there. And that was it. And it was like, here was an opportunity for us to really invest and be able to do that strategic growth that you're talking about. How do we grow without leaving people behind? And we missed the opportunity. Has this city, Dr. Flo, has this city recovered from the pandemic? No. No, we haven't. We use the pandemic relief dollars to be able to address some of the concerns in the pandemic, but we also used it to be able to address some long-term concerns that were happening here. So again, when we were talking about affordability, you know, the housing costs were already starting to go up before Mm -hmm. the pandemic. And when we got the COVID relief dollars, the city spent some of that money to just be able to help people stay housed, right? Mm -hmm. You need a couple hundred dollars here and there to be able to make rent. And when we exhausted all the money in that pot, we still had 4,500 people on that list 
waiting to get money. Mm -hmm. Um, And so their problems didn't just originate. I mean, yes, people lost jobs during the pandemic and all of that, but the problems didn't just originate during the pandemic. Some of these are deep-seated issues. When we look at who got COVID and who died from COVID, it's very predictable. If I were to tell you right now, hey, there's going to be an emergency and it's going to, you know, show up in these ways, you'd be able to tell me, well, Black and Latino communities are probably going to have the low-income. Like, you can kind of predict it. And so Mm -hmm. if you can predict it, that means that there's a discernible pattern. Mm -hmm. And that means that when we are working on addressing the immediate needs, we're also trying to right historic wrongs that we haven't done right by yet. So, no, we're not out of the hole. We saw so many businesses shutter and close. People lost jobs and have not been able to regain that income. Um, And then the housing prices have continued to skyrocket, making things even worse. Now, I don't want to make it like everything is is, is okay and everything because you've laid out some of the things that uh, are struggles and things that, that we have to work on as a city. But I remember I would talk to people often three, four years ago and, um, you know, th- for whatever it was, whether it was like growth, really things to do, um, having a good time in the city. They're like, man, sack, there ain't nothing going on in here. Like it's dead, yada, yada, yada. And I would always say, yes, but one of the things that we haven't seen is the Sacramento King good. And I'm a believer that when the kings are good, that is the heartbeat of this city, for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. Like some people would say that's not a good thing that a sports team so much power and, and uh, sway over people's emotions in a city. But I think that's what it is here. You speak to the importance of sports and kind of the kings in the city. When the kings are good, it's, it feels like a different place as opposed to when they were bad like the last 15, 16 years. So I know sometimes we trivialize sports because there are like bigger pressing issues, right? We're facing world hunger and you want to talk about the World Cup, right? <laughs> so like I get people's people's understanding of it. But what we're really talking about is culture. Mm. We're talking about how a place sees itself and how connected we feel to our neighbors. Mm. And so there are often ways that connection can be built. Sometimes it's built through strife, right? We've been through something together. So we are, you know, built through the fire, these bonds. But other times it's we've had something to celebrate together that has allowed us to cross over boundaries that typically exist. Mm. And so the truth is, you know, for, for worse, when people put on a King's jersey and say go Kings and light the beam, you that's the thing that stands out as your connection point. Not your race or your religion or where you work or what you do. Like in that moment, you both are just two Kings fans excited about the place you live and the team. And that mm. is power. It can be a starting point to be able to have other conversations. It can be a bridge builder and a builder. And so that's why it's important. And that's why it shouldn't be trivialized. Um, I think we can walk and chew gum at the same time and recognize that these are also other problems. Right. But it's a lot easier to start to bring people together when people are good. Yeah. And let's be honest, humans, you know, largely driven by emotions, even though we all think we're logical, irrational creatures. And our emotions dictate if you up and you stub your toe first thing, you are probably going to have a you just like, just won't get right, right? Like if you wake up in the morning and the first you hear is something positive, and you carry that same in all day long. And so winning is exciting. We release endorphins. I'm a public health person. It has a physical impact on us, a chemical um, change to how we are in the world. And so Sport incredibly important, that not only for the paying them, which mm-hmm. is also a, a big part, but also people who are experiencing them together. There's a reason why going to the stadium, you can feel electricity, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. It's like yeah. there is, there's an excitement there. This isn't a trick question because of who you're talking. 
but more professional sports in Sacramento important? I do think it's important that we have professional sports in Sacramento. I think it's important that we look to make sure that those investments are serving the entire community. So I will be the first to say, like, especially because, you know, this is um, a show when we're talking about black issues. It bothers me that there are no black owned businesses inside Golden One. Mm -hmm. We had four black members of our city council and a mayor when, you know, that that project was planned. And it was great that we had we did get black people who were involved in the trade, involved in the the building. Mm -hmm. But building only happens for a short period of time. Golden One is going to be here for a very long time. And so when I think about economic opportunity, I think the city should have said, look, $20 million a year into this project, we want to make sure that people from all the different neighborhoods have an opportunity. And maybe that's five-year leases at Golden One. And we start off with a discounted price and you pay more as, you know, your business, you know, boosts from you being in Golden One. Like, I think there were some opportunities for us. So for me... When we're talking about these projects, which are often publicly funded with dollars that we pay, I want to make sure that everybody in Sacramento has an opportunity to go to Golden One, not just people who can afford King's tickets, mm -hmm. because everybody in Sacramento is paying in for Golden One. Right. And so I think the city should have reserved some rights to be able to have a few events that were open access every year mm -hmm. so that this would really feel like a community asset as opposed to an asset for the, the wealthier people in town. And I say that fully understanding that I was a King season ticket holder and that mm -hmm. is a major privilege that mm -hmm. I had to hold season tickets for 12 years. And I I just I don't think that when we spend money with public dollars, it should be only and exclusively available to the people who can then, after paying for the project, also have to pay an entrance fee. Mm. Well, I mean that, that's that's a that's a great point. I would I would point out and I want to know what you think. I think that uh the Kings and Vivek they've done a really good job of staying connected to the mm -hmm. black community. I, I, that's one thing that um, I've been critical of in the past because mm -hmm. I remember the previous ownership and the previous regime, no disrespect to anyone, but I'm from South Sacramento. Mm -hmm. I will go to basketball camps in Oak Park. Uh, these guys would come to the Salvation Army, you know, for practices and things of that nature. Dale Roberts had a connection with them and he would bring these guys there and I would see them every single day. And there became a time when I wouldn't see them no more. And they would, you know, hold camps, you know, all over in Rockland and El Dorado Hills and other places, as opposed to coming back mm -hmm. to Oak Park or being in South Sacramento. And one of the things that I think Vivek and this group has done, they've done a good job of coming back into the black community and coming back into the city of Sacramento. And and just because they're doing that doesn't mean they can't continue to do that or find ways to improve like you're talking about. Mm -hmm. But I think they have done a, a a pretty good job, and they're moving in the right direction. They launched you know, an entire department to make yeah. sure that that was the case. That yeah. our our friend Kendra yeah. Montgomery Block yeah. has yeah. Yeah. jobs not done. Yep. Jobs Kendra. not done. Shout out to Kendra. Yeah, jobs not done. But I, right. I want to salute them because I yes. think they have done a, absolutely, a good job. absolutely. I mean, I, I you know I was more so talking about the the arena no, than I was I, the, I get you. the team. Yeah. But yeah, I think they have. I mean, you know, they have like some of the players in conjunction with the Kings have you know built basketball courts and mm -hmm. have done things mm -hmm. around town to be able to you know ones in Oak Park right and they're you know yeah. kind of all over yeah. town and so that's important and it's one of the reasons why I was really excited that Councilmember Mai Vang is really trying to use the 102 acres in South to be able to bring a sports yeah, complex there. Yeah. And so to your question about like professional sports, I think there's also an opportunity for, you know, we have a lot of 
kids who play sports in this region Mm -hmm. and being able to have, you know, a stadium or a facility available where people can come and play sports in the same way that, you know, the aquatic center in Natomas Mm -hmm. should really be an opportunity for us to address the gap that especially exists in black communities where black kids don't learn to swim and are 14 times more likely to drown Mm. um, than their counterparts. Like that's now we have a facility. Let's let's bus and get those kids up there to learn how to swim. Right. Um, And to be a part of that, because that's that's important for our safety in the same way i want to make sure that you know if the, the sports complex is going to be there that we can have vendors and small mm-hmm. businesses that are benefiting the community that people can see an asset in their communities that they can be a part of that they can actually play sports there yes. whether intramural and recreational or whether yeah. competitive right like this is a way again to build the way we feel and i would also love as the daughter of a man who coached eighth grade girls basketball um, along with his be- his best friend another black man um, who coached coached the rival team and so literally 30 years later my uncle Vince is still sending me newspaper clips of the times that he beat my dad <laughs> when, when they were coaching the girls but these were here these were these you know large black men who were deeply invested mm-hmm. in girls sports yeah. um, and that's who raised me right so I also think there is a gap still in terms of I sometimes joke and say that if you are a boy Somebody throws a ball at you, makes you run down the street and just tests out, like, do you have any natural affinity? Mm -hmm. But I feel like there are a lot of girls out there who have a natural affinity to sports Mm -hmm. who no one ever throws the ball and makes run down the street and jump and whatever else. And so they're untested. Um, I have a really good friend who, like, her husband played, you know, football in college. And he's like, she's actually, like, raw talent. I had to work to beat her when we did a foot race one time. (laughs) Like, if somebody had ever trained her, she might have, like, been, you know, a great track star or something, right? But nobody did. And so that's another like missed opportunity for me is that there's an opportunity for girls to play sports, too. And when we have those sports complexes and other opportunities, we should be thinking about bringing them in as well. Yeah, I I haven't checked up on the one that you're talking about in Metaview, but I I really hope that gets done because Mm -hmm. that that would be that'd be so important for that whole community, man. And there's there's nothing around there like that. You see a lot of that stuff out here in Rockland and and all this other stuff. And I, I really hope that gets taken care of so every community should have something that people want to come to it for that you know there's a pride thing just like the kings when they're winning and we feel good about ourselves it's like you came to my neighborhood for this Mm -hmm. right like whatever that is that's Mm -hmm. that's important that every neighborhood has that come on man the next mayor of sacramento come on man let's go come on man the next mayor of the city of sacramento let's go dr flow Hey, thanks for coming to hang out with us. Thank you so thanks much. Thanks for uh, letting us learn a little bit about you, uh, even the Michigan stuff. I did catch I mean, the that, part, that just took the frozen tears, the frozen that. tears, leaving, leaving, leaving the big house. Like I, I got, I got that. No, it's just fine. No, it happened. It was, you know it was, I mean? it, it was a rough seventeen years for y'all. I'm glad y'all got one. It was cute. It was cute. I'm glad y'all got one. It was cute. So let's be clear. Don't let me say something else. Let's be clear for the people who are listening. Tell me why you met. You and I got connected. By Io, Io oh. Taylor. The sole reason I am an Ohio State fan is because Io Taylor has been my best friend for 30 years. Mm-hmm. He's from Cleveland. He wrote me into that trash, and now I'm stuck. Well, look, nobody's and I can't perfect. get out. Nobody's perfect. It's and, okay. And, 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 this is and, not a hostage situation. Nah. <laughs> you, you can it's been 30 true. years. Yeah. It's been 30 years. You, you left what, the Cowboys. What it like I did leave the Cowboys. Cost. So you're saying? Oh, listen! Look at you. Yeah, now I got to keep going. See, now the Buckeyes going to win the national championship next year. Five championship. Stay there. Stay there. Hey, hey, hey. Hey. Doctor Flo, uh, we'll come back. We'll talk to Joe Davidson. And oh my God, 
The strike is over. De'Aaron and Harrison Barnes spoke today. Well, I'll be damned. You'll hear from both of those guys when D'Lo and Casey return here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. All right, we mentioned uh, De'Aaron Fox and Harrison Barnes spoke today. Uh, we will, you'll hear from them. Um, Sean Cunningham. That, Victor you, Newman. You, you heard that. Damned. You heard that correct. De'Aaron Fox and Harrison Barnes spoke today. <laughs> and so is the sports writer of the Let's century. Air horns. Come on, Air man. Horns. Come on, man. The, the sports writer of the century. There he is. Our there man, is. Joe Davidson. <laughs> Joe D. What's up, buddy? Well, thank you for the shout out. I, I don't know about the century. I should get cash prizes if it's for a century. <laughs> but uh, that was a cool honor to get last week and nominated by my peers. Guys who usually win this statewide award are people who cover the Major League Baseball, the NFL and NBA. And rightfully so, those guys are grinders. So it was nice to, to win that because it also shows and reflects that local journalism matters. Well, and, and we applaud that. Well, let let me let me say, and Damien, I know you know the same thing. Joe Davison, come on, man. When you talk about a fixture in this city, mm-hmm. I mean, I was, I was a freshman at McClatchy, like hoping and praying for the day that Joe D would mention me in one of his stories. You know what I mean? And when that happened, I I'll never forget. Um, we had a playoff game against Wilsey Wood. My senior year, I had 19 points. You know, I was feeling great. Joe D talked to me for a little bit after the game. And I go to it's a Friday night. I go to sleep. I wake up. Ah, oh my God. Like Saturday morning. I'm like, what what happened? Like, I'm dead sleep. My mom gets the paper. Caraway leads Lions past Wilsey Wood. There's a picture of me. Joe D wrote it. And it was the biggest thing in the world. Cause Joe D like so, so I mean, come on, man. This is this is the kind of guy we're talking about, and I'm I'm just one of hundreds of thousands of kids who have the same feeling. If Joe Davison wrote oh, something was, about them in the paper, it's a so. great flashback. And, yeah, and I always Kenny and I we always joke and hey Kenny, how's your mom? How's your mom? How's your mom? <laughs> you know, and and uh, thank goodness for your your sweet mom, and and I know she's uh, you know been a loyal fan of both of you guys and proud of you guys and. Uh, no, that's it's and you know I've shared this with you. Guys. I did the Kings. I did the everyday Kings beat when the Rick Adelman years and and, and uh, Mike Bibby and Chris Weber and Pasia and Vlade and it was a blast. But I just really feel a, a comfort zone on the local beat. And we got guys like Jason Anderson and Chris Biederman grinding away out there uh, with the Kings. And I don't miss the travel. I don't miss the road trips. And I don't miss the media boycotts. And I'm glad that Darren Fox spoke today. I don't know what. The root of it was uh, uh, but alleged I, 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 media boycotts. <laughs> I sense he's a super competitive guy, and there's a lot of pressure on him, and um, you know, and those kind of things. But kudos to him for for speaking. It reminds me of when the Kings lost Game Seven in 2002, the Western Conference Finals against the Lakers, and it's mandated by the NBA that players are made available mm-hmm. the next day, mm-hmm. and only Vlade Divac came. Mm. and everybody else blew it off, and the Kings got fined heavily for that. And I remember asking Vlad, I said, why are you here? And he goes, it's my job as the team leader to represent this team. Mm. And I just, I always thought that's what made Vlade Vlade. Mm-hmm. And so uh, kudos to De'Aaron Fox today for, for talking. Um, the media is not your enemy. Uh, I know some people will 
try to craft it and spin it that way. Sometimes we hear about it in high school sports. Oh, the media's out to get you and, and hose you. No, no, you're you're overthinking it. Uh, the media doesn't have to be your friend per se, but they do work hand in hand. You know, we're all trying to tell the stories of, of what people might be curious about. Yeah, Not to turn this into another episode of This Is Your Life, but Joe, like how much has media changed, you know, since you since you you talked about, you know, covering the Kings, you know, 20 some odd years ago, like how much has what you do for a living changed? Well, it's changed a lot. You, you know, like when Kenny, when I'm, when, when his mom's screaming because he's in the paper the next day, um, well, now uh, she would probably be screaming in the parking lot because we'd have a tweet on <laughs> yeah. Kenny yeah. scoring 19 points and signing autographs and this and that. And his mother saying, come on, we got to get home kind of thing. And, uh, but so then you have to embrace that. Look at what we're doing here. We have this on the radio, we have it online, we have it on YouTube, we have all these different platforms. We could promote that we're going to be a, a guest on your show through social media. Um, you know, we see the sound bites of De'Aaron Fox uh, uh, and, and Harrison Barnes from just moments ago. So in a lot of ways, it's, 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 it's great. But, um, you know, there's sometimes there's too much of a rush to try to break news and got to have it first. And, I think any good journalist will say, hey, it's good to have it first, but just make sure you have it right. Yeah. You don't want to have the wrong name and the wrong this or the wrong that. And, um, so I've rolled with the social media. When I was doing the Kings, we didn't have any of it. Yeah. We didn't have any of it at all. Now it's a big thing and a lot of podcasts, which are great, and blogs and all that. And you know, for high school and colleges, uh, social media can be a great thing, but I've also spoken to teams and about the evils of social media. And I have a motto. If you're not mature enough to say the right thing on social media, mm. if you want to badmouth somebody or you're complaining about this or that, then you're not mature enough to, to even be on social media. Mm. And, and it, could, it could help promote your team. Uh, and it could also help buckle your uh, ambitions if you're doing stupid things or retweeting things that aren't very favorable and, and, and things like that. And uh, look how it's changed on the, uh, on, on you guys' end too. Mm -hmm. you, you could be heard so much more now. It used to be, you did a radio show and it's live and then it's gone. Yep. Right. And now you could, you could link it and, and go back to it and uh, you know, all those kind of things. So it's, it's a good thing. And sometimes it's kind of, I mean, I cringe when I hear that maybe people are going to have to start paying $10 a month on Twitter or something or mm -hmm. X, uh, which I hope not because that's uh that's a big thing for, for what I do. Mm -hmm. Well, Hey Joe, you know, all these years later, whether it's a, an article in the paper or mention in one of your blurbs or now it's a tweet. Uh, I just think it's amazing that your acknowledgement still matters to so many people. If Joe, no, D I said, appreciate that. If Joe D said you played a good game last night, man, you can't tell me nothing or, you know, or anything like that, man. So salute to you, man, for, for that. He called us a must listen show. That was a big deal five yeah. minutes ago when he tweeted. It, it was. It's <laughs> still I, must listen. You hey, know? I got I got a I got a, a article um, before the show started. He did a story on this because he was Damien was the, the guy. I was just nobody coming out of nowhere. But. Damian Barling makes his return back to radio with D-Lo and KC. Joe D wrote uh, on that, and uh, I got my mom end up framing that and giving that to me, that article. Oh, that's yeah. fire. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. No, that's, so that's a, really a, a Joe Davidson acknowledgement in any arena still matters. Well, and, and, and having 
contacts and connections. And I did a story on Sunday in the Sacramento Bee. Andrew Jones is in his 30th year coaching men's basketball at Sacramento City College. And I think JC is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And they're always full of be all metro kids. And sometimes they don't all land. And, and he was, I remember talking to him 10 years ago and he sat out a season because he was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And no matter how you word that, brain tumor is a scary deal. And he said in, in my story, he goes, all I wanted was 10 more years. They took a golf ball-sized tumor out of the back of his head. Mm. And he wanted to see his son turn 20. That's all I wanted. So here it is 10 years later, and his son is one of his star players, A.J. Jones, 17 points a game, 6'3 guard. They're 18-2. and two. They're ranked 10th in the state. And it's like, you're still here. <laughs> and – he those stories still matter um, because guys like that matter. And he still can't look straight up the coat above your, your, your hat line or whatever, because he'll get double vision. So that, that tumor still has a lasting effect. So guys like that matter. And he sent me a wonderful note and said, it was a big, big hit in the family. I have that story. And, and thank you. And I said, well, thank you for trusting me for handling that. And, and I had people reach out and said, I've known him for years. They didn't know he had a, yeah. A tumor and I only I just remember that from years ago he trusted me to, to, to have that information years ago and um so there's the stories don't run out guys they're they're always out there and I enjoy looking around and you know, whether it's the high school teams and uh you know I know Kenny's a McClatchy grad and he's gonna ask me how the boys are doing not well the girls are our hey, second girl. ranked girls team my girl Nina Kane fantastic Kane the gym over there Nina Kane she's a problem she is. She's, She's a, a national recruit, junior, six foot two, post moves, got a 10 foot fadeaway jumper, runs the floor, 4 0 student. I mean, just everything right. And their, uh, their only local loss, the McClatchy Lions, was to our number one team, the Folsom Bulldogs, who have a national recruit. Who's recruiting like... these national kids? Not asking for anyone in particular, just kind of exactly. curious. Who's down in Duke or something? Who's... Oh, you know, the, um, and, and that's Cameron Mafua of uh, Folsom. She's a 6'2 forward, is going to go to Cal. And, and we all know a lot of kids stay on the West Coast. Yeah. If they're West Coast kids, they like to stay on the West Coast because there's the comfort of home. You know, Kenny played in the Bay Area. You know, there's 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 something to be said about having family come, in to, come watch you or to be able to get home. Um, and so when I say a national recruit, it means they're getting interest and offers from everywhere. And so that's, um, you know, we talk about how times have changed, not just with social media, but we, we have, we have girls basketball has never been better. I don't think boys basketball has ever been better. We have more schools. I think since Kenny, you've been in high school and you and Damien, we must have 30 more high schools in this region. And that's Monterey Trail, it's Rockland, it's uh, uh, Whitney, Vista Del Lago. Twelve bridges went up like a year ago. (laughs) They haven't even graduated the first senior class. Yeah, right. And and that's a new school in 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 Lincoln and Placer County. And and you know, and kudos to Twelve Bridges. They didn't just come up with a mascot. They came up with something cool: the raging rhinos. Not, not, not lions. Sorry, Kenny. See, yeah, not well, eagles. Well, hey, no. hey. Sorry, no. You know, you know, something, something different, something fresh. And of course, their rivals, the Lincoln zebras, which is unique and different. It is. So it we is. like that. We applaud that. Uh, r- real quick about about the high school stuff. I, I got to give a shout out to to my old conference because it's been been downtrodden a little bit in the past. But it seems like at least in boys basketball, 
It's cooking this year. I mean, we got Monterey Trail doing their thing. We got Laguna Creek in there. Burbank doing their thing. Shout out Kennedy doing their thing. Metro Grant League Pacers. is Grant. Metro League kind of back, even though this is the last year before half of those schools. Realignment, move, right. Yeah, no, somewhere the, else, but it, it's popping. I, I grew up with the Sacramento being in the, you know, 89 was my first year in the early 90s of going to Metro League basketball games. And it was so good. I'm this small school product from the Oregon mountains. We didn't see team like this. We didn't see crowds like that. We didn't see athletes like this up there. And so I went to a game last week. It was uh, Monterey trail at Burbank place was packed. It was great to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and Monterey trails are number two ranked team. They're uh, not even 20 years old. Are they unified grant? The paces have been around forever. I got a story running this week on super sophomores <laughs> and grant has this kid, six foot four guard named Andre Gomez. And the whole thing with him, before you notice that he's a left-handed dribbler and he's a three-point shooter and he's a thunder dunker, the first thing you're going to notice is he got, he's got the mother of all mullets. Big <laughs> shock of hair here, goes flowing in the back. And I asked him, I said, do you realize you, you can't go into Burbank or Monterey Trail with hair like that unless you back it up? And he goes, I hear it all the time. And then he goes for 30. Uh, but people – taunt him and they call him mullet man he goes hey i embrace that so kudos to those kids who have fun with that and the coaches rib them and uh and all that and i told you guys before you know a good value is going to a high school sporting event it's a good ticket value it's a good entertainment value and you guys were talking about vivek ronda diva and the kings and golden one they've done a great job of partnering up with CIF for the Sackwell King section championships. They're always held at Arco and now golden one, same with the state basketball finals. What a treat mm-hmm. for those high school kids in this state to play in a venue like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big deal. It'll always be a big deal to be able to step foot on that floor. Hell, it's a big deal when we go, Hey, yeah. golden one center. Yeah. It's pretty dope. That stuff never gets old, which is why yeah. I love, you know, remember, I, I remember the days at Arco. We thought, oh, this this looks cool. Why do why do the Kings need a new venue? This is a nice looking ride. Well, <laughs> well, then you get the new ride, and it's like, oh, well, well, no, I I used to ride. I used to think of that about Arco Arena until I saw like the back, <laughs> until I saw the non shiny part where the cameras were and saw right. everything else. I was like, oh yeah. Then you see other arenas, and you go, oh my god. <laughs> oh, when I was what, traveling with the what NBA, is this? You see the new arena said this place has got to go. That's, yeah, right. And it just took forever. So it's it's when people will ask every once in a while, the Kings still going to stick around? They have a 30-year lease. That partnership's in. It's not going anywhere. And the Kings are in a good spot. And downtown's thriving. And the beam and uh, all those kind of things. In fact, speaking of the beam, I think last year, Kenny will love this, the McClatchy Lions girls basketball team won a game and then they shot off their own burgundy that. school color <laughs> beam. I'm thinking, there you go. Awesome. Don't make fun of it. I mean, this is a cool deal. <laughs> That's awesome. I remember that. Yeah. I love that. Um, you mentioned the top two teams uh, on the women's side uh, in high school basketball. What about the men's side? Rockland, the Thunder, opened in Placer County in 1992. Steve Taylor has been a longtime coach. They're 23 and 0. Uh, wow. Our number one team, best team he's had, might be his last season as coach. You know, it's a, it's a lot of work um, when you're a teacher and you're a family guy and you're a coach. Terrific team. They, they're winning all the close games. They have kids from the football team playing. Uh, great home atmosphere. Student rooting sections are terrific in that league, including at Oak Ridge and Whitney and you know Rockland, Granite Bay, uh, Del Oro. Um, so, so that's been good. And then, and then the usual cast of characters, uh, capital Christian, 
is really good and Sheldon of the Oak Grove Unified and Jesuit and Franklin. And so some of the same teams. But um, one thing that we do have uh, is we're so strong with public schools, Mm. whether it's football, basketball, girls, basketball, baseball. It's not dominated by private schools like in the Bay Area or Orange County or San Diego or Los Angeles. And I'm refreshed by that. We do have our small uh, private school powers in St. Mary's of Stockton and Capital Christian and uh, St. Francis girls and Jesuit, but, but overwhelmingly it's, it's the public schools. And um, uh, so that's kind of a neat thing. And I don't, I, I thought that might shift in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Kenny remembers that when Jesuit was so dominant and everything and people there people were suggesting, well, if you want to get a scholarship, if you want to get media coverage, if you want anything, you have to go to a, a private school. Not true. Yeah. Not true. You know, just go, uh, especially now with social media and film, um, you can be seen more than ever. And it still comes down to grades. You know, you could be six foot six and a three point shooter. But if you don't have transcripts and grades, you're not going anywhere. So yeah. those things still still matter. You know, one of the things that um, uh, I was seeing some videos and some people talking, and I think they're 100 percent correct. And this goes to the favor of somebody like Coach Jones or, you know, different JCs around the way is because of the way college is now and college recruiting, NILs, transfer portals, all this other stuff. These D1 schools that you think about all the time that you're trying to get a look from, unless you're like a top it feels like they're like, well, we're just going to look in the transfer portal before we look at an 18 year old kid. You know what I mean? So what's going to happen? Exactly with, right. What's, what's going to happen with these, you know, good ball players that aren't great is the D2s, D3s, JUCOs are going to turn into the new Division One. That's where you're going to be looking to get your, your big time recruits because with the transfer portal, they're just, oh, yeah, uh, I need a point guard. I'm not going to look for a freshman. I'm going to look for a junior that's already been playing college two years and try to get him. And I think right. it's just a shift mindset that these kids should have that I, I think is actually a good thing because I think it opens the door for more kids to – it gives them more options as opposed to being like, ah, oh, just D1 is all I'm looking for. No, this right. D2 might be good for you, and you, you can get some playing time. You can play, get your, get your resume up, all this other stuff. I, I think it's actually a good thing that people understand what they're looking for. Well, and and you could speak of this, you know, Kenny, you wanted to play at the biggest conference in America because you were a good player, but then you go where it feels right, mm-hmm. you know, go where it feels right. And you probably didn't hear of your, of your college when you were in high school until you were recruited. Um, and I tell people all the time, if you think you're worthy of college football or basketball, baseball, softball, go look at the local JCs, go to a game, go to a practice and see how good they are. Sacramento City College, we were just talking about them. They have a kid six foot nine, and he's like a seven footer with this big shock of hair. And his name's, uh, he's got the best name around, Dejon Lot, but everybody calls him Money, Money Lot. And he was a, a, a driving force two years ago when Elk Grove High School won a state basketball championship. And he wants to go D1. Well, he's at Sacramento City College, still learning, still developing, still working on his post game. And he's driven and he's motivated. They're all motivated. He'll, he'll land probably at a division one school. He's hitting three pointers, Mm. blocking seven shots, scoring 30 points here and there. Um, They all want to shoot for the moon. And if we think of college football, you know, colleges generally have between 20 and 25 scholarships and Sac State and UC Davis or local division one programs are going to sign guys out of the transfer portal because they're already vetted. They've already been cleared. They're already, you already cleared all those hurdles. Mm-hmm. 
And the transfer portal is full of guys looking for a fresh chance. I think it's also full of a lot of guys who are too impatient. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to have to wait your time. They don't want to wait their time. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it helps those colleges like Sac State and UC Davis, but it might put a squeeze on the high school kids. And my only theme for that is, like I mentioned earlier, go where it feels right. You're not going to college to impress your buddies. You're doing it for you to build your resume, to extend your experiences. And there's great college and basketball small school programs in Southern California, all throughout Oregon, all over the country. They're, they're out there. Well-deserved sports writer of the year yes, right indeed. there. Yes, indeed. Hey, before we let you go, real quick, our, our boy Coach Patrick, they, they turning it around a little bit over there? Yes. he, he They have two games this week at yeah. home. Um, I, I, I love the guy. I, I think he's got such great passion, and you guys hear it every week on your show. And, and so, uh, Kenny, you'll appreciate this. So, week before last, Capital Christian was playing sack high at hotel, Dave hotel pavilion in Oak park. Great venue. And there's also, Hey, Joe D and it's coach Patrick. So what, what are you doing here? And he goes, they're going to hand out their section championship rings. That's a sack high dragons one last year at golden one. And one of his players yeah. is um, on scholarship at Sac state and he's going to get his ring. <laughs> and he goes, we brought the whole team because we want to, we want to let them know that uh, that we're behind you. Yeah. Plus, they probably want proof that he was a player. Uh, but no, <laughs> I thought the answer that is a that is a healthy um, environment, um, and 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 you know he's such a good spirit. Yeah. Um, you know, it's Mike Wilson who was the guy who who, who was being honored. Um, but you know, it's 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 college basketball. It's tough. It's tough to, and he's got so many new players. He's got guys from around the world because he's a worldly guy. And mm-hmm. um, I think they're uh, an entertaining team. And I think they'll get going. They got home games, 6 PM on Thursday mm-hmm. and on Saturday in the nest final year in that old yeah, green, yeah. I can't wait drabby thing. And then they're going to move to a, a, a venue right there on campus. I think better days are ahead. And uh, you know, he's such a funny guy, coach Patrick, cause he's, He's so positive. He's so happy. Then you watch him coach. Oh yeah, he's, he's working. He works every ounce of every oh, referee. Yeah. Yep. Get back on defense, and but he's he's um, uh, he's right there in the right spot. I think he's good. And then over at UC Davis, the Aggies are in first place. Yeah, they're, they're cooking. Yeah, Big West with Jim Les, the coach, doing great things, winning games late dramatically, um, doing a great job over there. Yeah. Good basketball around here. Jim Les, big crowd therapy guy. That's why yeah. I like him. Big crowd. Yeah, yeah. nice. Big crowd therapy guy. Uh, Joe, we love you, man. Congratulations on the well-deserved honor of Sports Writer of the Year. Uh, you could truthfully get that award every year, man, but we love that you're a part of our team here. Love it. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on, and we'll, we'll see you guys soon. I'll you got it. Joe. Thanks, Take Joe care, D. We might have to – oh, no, we got a live show next Friday. Okay. We might have to extend the invite and see if Joe want to come hang out with Joe us Deacon. at the old – Oh, casino. We pay in, you know, French fries and chicken Joe, wings and beer. But yeah, Joe D pulled up on us when he wasn't even unsolicited. Invited. That's yeah. what I mean. Like, we put Joe D yeah. on stage and we just hang out and talk a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hey, you, you, real quick, you talked about Jim Les doing cryotherapy. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that video of Stone Cold getting in the cold? T- I have. <laughs> yeah. To be clear, whatever the hell it is Stone Cold Steve Austin is doing, that is not cryotherapy. It's <laughs> like, uh, nah, we're going to try this another time. Do you, you saw that you saw the outtakes one? Because he has a cut. He has. Like, he have one where he made it all the way through, or something. Yeah, he has one where he. I made didn't it, but see he, that one. So yeah. he had the one where he's just like he just gets it, and it's just Austin. <laughs> F, F, F got oh oh. That's the one. Oh. I saw. Oh, and funny. then after like See, ten seconds, yeah. Nah, nah, we gonna try this another time. See them. <laughs> 
See, those cold tubs, that's like 10 to 15 minutes. Mm. Cryotherapy, and it's terrible, like it's awful. Cryotherapy, three minutes, walk in, it's it's three minutes. Yeah. You, you know, you move around, do your thing, do whatever, you out, and it's over. Dr. Flo was talking about endorphins. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm never in a better mood than the moment I walk out of cryotherapy. Them mm. endorphins ride. Maybe one day I'll do it. I shout mean, out, I'll, shout I'll out to my it. people that restore. No, you let. No, you, I don't think you'd love it because I don't. You don't. You hate the cold. Yeah, I hate being you, cold. You wouldn't. You wouldn't love it in that sense. <laughs> but if you just do, it's. I'll also say it's exceptionally harder. Like when it's cold and it's raining outside, because mm. you're walking in. You're like more like times you never than not. Warm up after like you're. You day. know. You like. I'm. I'm just stripping down, throwing on a towel. I'm already cold. <laughs> And then walking into that thing where life it's is cryotherapy, <laughs> right? For real, right? Um, but uh, speaking to Doctor Flo, her website uh, flowformayor dot com for those who uh, enjoyed that conversation. That and really shout cool. out to everybody. I know that was a little uh, different than things we normally do, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I'm so grateful that y'all uh, hung out uh, and listened. Uh, to a woman that will hopefully be the next mayor of the city of Sacramento, man. Yeah. I think she's got tremendous ideas. She's got a tremendous vision. She's obviously an incredibly intelligent woman, and I think she could do an amazing job uh, running this city. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was a great conversation with her. Uh, and kudos to the chat who gave us, you know, the red flag. Hey, be on the lookout. There's some there's some <laughs> bad words at the end of the at the end of the video. I'm assuming it's from De'Aaron. Uh, it's got to be De'Aaron, but I don't know. Uh, you'll <laughs> hear. Finally had it. Oh, I hope it's Harrison. Oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> if it's Harrison, we won't dump it. <laughs> oh, Harrison. And to those two blankety blanks on ESPN thirteen twenty. <laughs> hey, just. For the record, let it be stated, we're going to hear from Harrison Barnes first. I can't wait to hear Harrison. I just want everybody who hasn't seen the video. There's just Harrison, just not interested in this at all. Just absolutely not interested. So here's what's coming up. You'll hear from Harrison Barnes. You'll hear from Darren Fox. You'll hear from James Hamm. You won't hear from Kenny Carraway. Uh, Kenny Carraway's on load management today. <laughs> I need him back for KSFM. He's got himself all worked into a, a fit for 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 this weekend's uh, NFC ready, Championship. Man. I'm ready. So so Kenny's Kenny's got to take a, a hour and some change break before we go do do what we do over at 102.5. So uh, Casey's going to say his goodbye. He's going to step out, and of course, you'll be back with us for a full show tomorrow. And then those who flip over to KSFM, uh, you'll hear plenty of Kenny Carraway. Uh, over there with me this afternoon, but uh, salute, partner. Uh, you'll miss out on Harrison Barnes' first ever f bomb. Apparently, yeah, I won't even get a chance to hear it because <laughs> we're gonna have to dump it because <laughs> he had enough. That'd be so great if it was Harrison Barnes. Oh, if it's Harrison, it's we're letting it fly. So amazing. FCC, be cool, bro. All of that cool. is coming up next here uh, on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN thirteen twenty. To the bench, pal. You're on load management. Come on, come on, man. <laughs> Okay, we, Charlie, we're on the air. We don't need that kind of garbage in here. Charlie, we, we don't need that. Uh, Charlie, come in here cackling. You hear this nonsense? Did you hear what he said? No, I didn't. The mic's in so the So, Charlie, so I, that's my fault. I had Kenny's mics on. Charlie walks in talking about him and Dr. Flo doing the fight song. Uh, and what, 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 what great content that was. Nobody asked for that. You did low key get jumped during that little interview. Nobody asked for that. I'm doing a little research on Dr. Flo. God, with Kenny here looking at these walls behind me, this is just brutal. Like I look, I I look like I'm. That's like, not a good look. This is awful. Like I look like 
this is bad. Dealing with Casey straight from the crazy place? Straight from the insane asylum. Like, I know we're a little nuts, man, but this is crazy. We either need to upgrade on cameras and we need some damn. Somebody, we need to cut this and send this to our bosses and be like, yo, this is what it looks like. It looks like you've got your boy broadcasting outside of a padded walled building. It, it, it's the equivalent to like moving into your place or whatever. And like you got the couch up, but that's the only thing you have. It's, like you got so the little bad. poster in the backup, but that's the, it. And the TV's on the crate. Like yeah. this is such a bad look. It's oh my gosh. Professional, I guess. This is terrible. All because Kenny needs load management today. He's probably going to hang out with Dr. Flo. Have some drinks, get their jokes off. Yeah, you're right. I did get jumped. Yeah, and Io, my boy Io, who's listening to the whole thing, nowhere to be found. Just let me get jumped. They sang the whole song. They really did. They really did. Whatever. Anyways, let's 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 get these. Well, crap. How do I? How do we do this? Yeah. So let's let's see. I'm gonna have to put. Do I put Jesse in here and then go here? Now, why does Jesse have to? Man, whatever. You can't do the single, the single, the single um screen. I, I don't think so. Like just, oh, yeah, there yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. There, there it is. All right, partner. Uh, here's Harrison Barnes. Uh, the, the, I guess it's they. We're not gonna play the whole thing. The clip is like six minutes and fifty two seconds. But we know who cussed, by the way, and it was not Harrison. Well, I didn't think it was. Was it, was it Sean, De- Sean Cunningham? Sean cussed. Yeah, that's what the chat said. Oh, sure. It was was it at the end of De'Aaron's video or Harrison's? I'm not video? sure which video it is at the end of. Okay, that helps. That does not. I'm help not sure, anything. but I know Sean did it. All right, let's listen to Harrison Barnes here. Coming up, um, you've been in the league a long time, but but seven games, fourteen days. Is that still kind of tough? Even at this stage in your career, are you guys used to that. I think the biggest thing for us is you know, getting the road trip off started right, um, just maintaining focus. I think you know, we've been on a variety of road trips. Whether you, you know you start off winning early. You know, hit some bumps along the road. Start off, you know, a slow start, kind of pick it up towards the end. I think, for where we are in the standings, where we are in this point of the season, um, it's just really just about, you know, can we feel good about this road trip at the end, knowing that you know we give ourselves a shot every single night. What adjustments did you see from the last game? Um, I thought we just did a better job uh, for for 48 minutes of kind of just just playing our style of basketball. Defensively, I thought we've we've gotten better. Uh, we've had lulls that have allowed us to you know lose games in that four game slide there. So. I just kind of putting together just a better, better 48 minutes. And then seeing like you guys have had free throw struggles, obviously of late. Um, it looked like it was kind of a concerted effort, even on your end, to, to try and kind of get it down in the paint and try to be, be impactful there. Uh, was that kind of the thought process there? For sure. I think you know the biggest thing. You know, we can talk about you know missed free throws, but you know, we shouldn't shy away from getting to the free throw line. You know, we still have to attack. We still have to mm. you know keep that balanced attack. You know, we don't want to just all of a sudden just say we're going to shoot. 53s a game, just never shoot free throws because we're not making them. So I think just for everybody, you know, continue to be aggressive and then get to the free throw line and it's a make or miss shot. You know what I mean? Don't think twice about it. That's a hell of a line. One, the little the little smile on Harrison's face shows, and I don't know why I always pause at the perfect spot with Harrison Barnes, but the little smirk on his face shows, yo, we're well aware that we're missing free throws. We know that you guys are talking about us missing free throws. That can't deter us from getting to the free throw line. That's a bar right there from HB. This is why the man needs to talk more. Domas credit you with the win. You had Malik say it's because of the three days in between games. Can you kind of shed light on as to why that might have been so important? Hey, I mean, anytime you get off your legs, you know, that, that, that's important, you know, lighter practice for sure. But not time for all of us. Um, it's just coming together and just saying, like, look, you know, we've worked, you know, hard to get this season on the right tracks. You know, we've had a four game slide. You know, it's easy to kind of, you know, let go of the rope at this point in the season, you know, easy. getting tired, things like Getting tired, things like that. So I think the biggest thing is just, like I said, just getting back on the, on the right track. Having a game like you did, just what was working for you? 
I mean, I think, you know, as a group, you know, we always feel good. We always feel like, you know, no matter, uh, you know, what's going on outside of, you know, Fox and Domas, you know, anyone can step up and, and have a good night. So uh, it's really just a matter of just being ready. You know, obviously you had another big game, the opening game of the season, first game, and then on Monday night. You know, what does it mean to you to be able to get going offensively? And if how much do you feel that's an asset to this team overall, especially as you embark on this road trip? Yeah, like I said, I think the biggest thing for us is just maximizing the opportunities. You know, I don't know when the last time I shot 20 shots in the game was, but, you know, when those opportunities arise, you want to be aggressive, you know, step into them. You know, your teammates, coach, have confidence in you, and, you know, make plays from there. We'll hit pause right there. Um, as, as we mentioned, this is a long clip. There's still there's still four minutes. And, of course, we can go back to it. James Ham's going to join us uh, at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Um, Harrison, you know, smiling at the fact that, 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 that Malik said, you know, get, getting off our feet, having three days off, and Mike was quick to point out because Malik said, for those who missed that little exchange, Malik said in, in, in the postgame uh, after the Atlanta game, when w- what was it that got Harrison Barnes going? And Malik, without, with, with just, without even blinking, three days off. And tell Mike, tell Mike, we said it was three days off. That's what it was. And, of course, you know, James Ham, who will be with us here in a couple of minutes, you know, comes around. Mike Brown comes, comes to do his press conference and, uh, Mike says, well, uh, 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 James tells Mike, Malik told us the reason Harrison played so well was because you guys had three days off. Mike was quick to point out they didn't have three days off, but it's clear, especially by what Harrison said there, they had lighter practices. Remember, that's a that's a Mike Brown thing. Mike Brown practices a ton. It was a thing last year, and I don't think anybody really batted an eye at it. It's another one of those. It's another one of those things where. You know, like we talk about the the quick timeouts, like maybe it's not as charming as it was last year, and we don't see Mike really doing that anymore. Like the quick timeouts, those teaching moments, those pulling guys aside. Of course, he still pulls guys aside, but we don't really see timeouts ten seconds into a game anymore. We don't see you know that 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 quick timeout, gather everybody, go over something that he didn't like on the first possession, and send everybody back out there. You knew it was probably a trigger you could only pull a couple of times before it's like, Mike, what the hell are you doing? And it's probably something you can only do during the course of one season. And another Mike Brown trait is that he practices a lot, and that's not just with Sacramento where he had to figure things out last year and you know, get guys to play a certain way and buy into a certain thing. That was the Lakers. That was Cleveland. That's Mike Brown as a coach. Mike Brown believes in practicing. And I think the point Malik was trying to get across uh, when he said, tell Mike Brown Harrison Barnes had this game because because of the three days off. It was one. I think it was the fact that they actually did have a day off. They practice Saturday and Sunday. We know that because there was media availability Saturday and Sunday. But I also think those practices were probably a little bit different. And Mike even alluded to that might have been the Atlanta game where he's like, at this point in the season, you're not getting a lot of contact anymore during practice. Like you're not getting up and down the floor. You're not running the same way that you were during training camp. You're not running the way that you were uh, at the beginning of the season. We're over halfway through the season now. We're not going to get, you know, those five-on-fives anymore. You're not going to get big contact during practice. So practices got to change. Practice got to lighten up. And sometimes the practice is light in terms of, phys- you know, the, the, the physicality of it. But it's long 
because they're they're stopping, they're going over stuff, they're going through plays, going through drills, or they're watching film. And so I I think I th- I think maybe Mike heard that message because Mike's been getting. I think Mike's been sending himself some messages lately, as we saw the the response to De'Aaron and Malik playing uh, too many minutes, and you know Davion Mitchell getting back in, uh, and then it sounds like they had a couple of light days, uh, lighter days of practice. That was Harrison again. Uh, there's much more uh, from Harrison Barnes, uh, but let's hear from De'Aaron Fox now. De'Aaron Fox and Harrison Barnes both spoke today at practice. Taking some pride out of the body and up up there. Uh, definitely, definitely. Oh, how uh, how do you feel like uh, I saw obviously the news yesterday with the Olympic team being part of that pool? Uh, what does that mean to you? Uh, I mean, it's an honor to be able to represent my country. I mean, uh, I talked to Grant a little bit, so um, I was I was already in the loop, and uh, obviously I want to continue to focus on what we're doing right now. But uh, it's definitely an honor to be uh, be able to be mentioned with a lot of those players who have. Um, already won gold medals. Being a part of that before, does this feel like it might come at a better time in your career? Uh, definitely. And uh, obviously, um, it's FIBA is a bit different for, for the U.S. than yeah. it is you know, viewed around the world. But uh, just being able to be in that contention to be in the Olympics, which is something that um, obviously America takes a lot more seriously than other things, uh, is definitely an honor for sure. Obviously, the NBA is a goal growing up, but but do you kind of think about the, the Olympic team and, and playing on that that level as a kid too? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, watching for us, you know, people my age, being able to watch the Redeem team um, definitely has mem- definitely puts memories in your head. And um, for me, obviously, the way that like someone like Melo played in the Olympics and and what he did, I think uh, are lasting memories. So uh, being able to be in that position is definitely an honor and a blessing. You started out really hot this year and have kind of just slowed down a bit, but how difficult is it to sustain just that level that you were at at the beginning of the year? I mean, I think consistency is always that word. So, um, you know, you want to be as consistent and just knowing that you go through slumps is, is human and normal. Uh, but just trying to be able to get to that level of play while also winning games is definitely a goal. Where do you feel like you guys have been at as, as a team recently? Um, like I said before, we have to be able to finish games. I think um, the road trip, we could have easily gone you know, four and one, but you come back going two and three. Um, is it something that you want to do? But we, we handed a couple games away. Um, and then just not being able to protect home court uh, like we wanted to and like we did uh, before we went on that road trip is something that we have to be better at. The stretch that Domas is showing. I mean, I know you guys talk about him all the time but in terms of maybe not getting the love he, he needs, but it, the numbers itself, does it kind of blow you away what he's even be able to do? You have like a idea of what he is, and then he maybe even go to a next level with some of these triple doubles and double doubles? Yeah, I mean, like we said before, uh, those are things that he does on a normal basis. And, um, uh, you know, we don't want to necessarily get used to it or get numb to it, but um, he's going out there and he, he's doing what we expect him to do. Uh, and if people, you know, aren't taking notice of that. That's on them. We'll stop it right there. Uh, De'Aaron does talk for another two minutes, but I don't know when Sean Cunningham cusses, so we'll just pull that. We'll pull that down. I was kind of right excited there. to find out. I, I was too, but like, we don't really. What I'm just curious, like, what context did Sean cuss? Maybe he dropped his camera. Like that's uh no, I don't know. Like that was literally Sean Cunningham's video we were using. But shout out to the chat for for alerting us that 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 was out there and. That's that's all talking to the media is. That's all it is right there. Like De'Aaron didn't he he didn't say anything. And it was fine. It was perfect.
perfectly fine. What Monty McNair's done for years since he's got here. Thank you. That's exactly what it is. Monty McNair ever, for 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 the for the first two pandemic years, we aired Monty McNair press conferences, and by the time we got to the third one, it was a joke. Like, okay, we know he's not going to say anything, but we're going to air it because it's Monty. De'Aaron Fox, same thing. He's not going to say anything. We just want to hear from him. You offer a little bit. I've actually never heard him. He actually did say a couple of things as it pertains to USA basketball that I thought were fantastic. He he acknowledged that he 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 spoke to Grant Hill, and and I think that goes along with what Kenny said. You know, Grant gives him a call like, "Hey, you know, we didn't do what we were supposed to do in terms of FIBA. Let's we need to retool things." Yo, you're in the mix for this and talking glowingly about the Olympics. And that's the other thing. He said something that a lot of guys don't really want to acknowledge because USA basketball doesn't want players to think like that. But FIBA's not a big deal in the United States. It's the Olympics. The world championship is cool. Or they call it the World Cup. Now, like that, that's cool. But the Olympics is different. Representing your country in the Olympics is an entirely different thing. And De'Aaron acknowledging that I, I thought was dope. He talked about Melo and the Redeem team and all of that. Man, that's some really good stuff uh, from De'Aaron Fox. But he offered nothing on Domas, nothing on the road trip. He didn't say anything that we haven't been talking about for a week. It only becomes a story when you don't talk. And he didn't say anything that we don't already know. How many guys, Malik, Mike, Domas, Hell, Keon might have said it. Yo, we've got to finish games. That's what this all boils down to. We had a significantly better road trip than our record shows, but we have to finish games. That's all he said. Um, and now they got a. Now they got one against the Golden State Warriors tomorrow, and the Warriors. It'll be a second night of a back to back for them. Uh, they're at the Chase Center. Tonight, they're hosting the Hawks. It's obviously going to be an incredibly emotional night for uh, for the Golden State Warriors as it's their first game uh, since the passing of their assistant coach as we welcome in uh, our 1320 Kings insider of the insiders, uh, our man James Ham And James, we're just talking about as the Kings get ready to play the Warriors uh, tomorrow. It's not really been talked about for a variety of different reasons, but that's going to be the second night of a back-to-back for the Golden State Warriors as they host Atlanta tonight in their first game since uh, MLK Day. Yeah, I don't think we know what the the Warriors are going to like, right? They've been through uh, some trauma as a group over the last week, week and a half, whatever it is at this point. Uh, Tough going, you know, this is, it's part of life. Uh, You don't usually expect it to be a huge part of sports, but you can't ignore like how impactful this is. You are really a family when you, uh, when you join up with a basketball team and these guys spend so much time together. It's crazy. And to have something like this happen and not just happen like randomly, but like happen at a team dinner or whatever it was yeah. like this full display. So uh, like huge loss for them, a huge loss for the, you know, international basketball community. Um, you know, very, very well liked, well respected uh coach and and you know, but 
got to get back to the game to some point, which is unfortunate for these. But yeah, it's got to be about the basketball at some point. And, you know, it's got to be about the basketball at some point. I guess that's the way to transition to, to the game tomorrow night where it's 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 the Kings and the Warriors. And, Hammer, I, I you talk about you don't really know what to expect from the Golden State Warriors for a variety of reasons. We mentioned MLK Day. It, I, it dawned on me this morning, that was Draymond's return game, and that was the story and how quickly that story isn't a story anymore, what they've been through since then. From our perspective, from the Kings' perspective, it's they they can't focus on all that. Of course, Mike is he's going to go through his own emotions uh, tomorrow night, seeing that coaching staff and 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 and, and going through all of that uh, himself. But from a from a team's per- perspective, I have no idea what to expect from the Sacramento Kings tomorrow. It seems, you yeah, know, De'Aaron Harrison Barnes. They said all the right things today, but I have no idea what we'll see. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I, I haven't seen all the clips. I did see De'Aaron talk. Um, of course that was, you know, they had, they held practice at noon today. I can't make it down for, for noon practices getting yeah. out of the show. Um, but I did see Sean's video of, um, of De'Aaron. Uh, he looked like normal everyday De'Aaron. Mm-hmm. Like that just looked like De'Aaron Fox, uh, who knows he's go to, got to go talk to the media because something big is happening. Uh, like he was invited to team USA. And to me, uh, good for him for for doing the the media. I did not see that Harrison talked, um, but good. For it was Harrison it was too. Harrison Barnes. Like it's it's exactly what you would expect. It was it was it was Harrison Barnes. Yeah, and you know Harrison talked once while they were on the road, uh, which I thought was his way of kind of like pushing out the inevitable that you would have to talk to the the local media. Uh, but um, you know there wasn't a lot of coverage there for that conversation. And, I had no uh, idea it, it even good. happened. Yeah, it, it's good for him to actually like sit down and actually have one of these conversations because, look at not to be you know like dramatic, but just like it was at the end of last year, we could have already seen the last game of Harrison Barnes in the Sacramento King, Kings uniform, uh, at least in person yeah. at home. You yeah. know that may have been the last game that we see from him, and maybe it's not. You know that that's you know either way, like it is what it is, but. Uh, but it's it's very possible. The trade deadline is February 8th. The Kings play on February 7th at home, but their last road game is February 5th. They'll be on the on the road this whole time, and a lot can happen between now and then. Speaking of trades, did you get a chance to read what Bobby Marks wrote? Bobby Marks wrote like uh, trade scenarios for every team in each conference, and he had an interesting note. He proposed the Jeremy Grant trade, which we've we've talked about before. Um, but he did have a, what I, what I thought was a really important note about Kevin Herter that I hadn't thought about is we're all under the assumption that, and, and perhaps hope and assumption that Malik Monk will be back next year and the Kings will do everything to keep him. But we know the restraints that Sacramento was facing in terms of the type of contract they can offer him versus what exactly he might get on the open market. We have no idea. And Bobby was like, you can't lose Kevin Herter with the idea that you might lose Malik Monk this offseason. No, I get that. Uh, I would kick back a little bit because if you lose either one of those guys, you're, you're hitting not a huge reboot, but you're at least hitting some sort of reboot in your backcourt. And uh, so, 
you know, like the Kings have been bringing along some young players with the hopes that they could step in and play at some point, whether that's Colby Jones or it's Kim. That's an official ham freeze right there. That is an official ham freeze. 30758. If anybody had it, 307, an official Kennyless ham freeze. And the rules are are the same, even with uh even with Kenny taking a breather, is we've got to keep we've got to keep James on the script. There he is. He un- he he unthawed without it's, resetting. It's the best when he's frozen and then he unfreezes and it's just him shaking his head. See how, oh yeah, because everyone thinks it's funny except for James. James is except the only James. one who doesn't find it funny. Um, yeah, I just don't want to. You know. Oh, it's funny. It, it it happens. Like we're we're used to it. You um yeah. and, and and I just mean uh, not just with you, just like because of what we do. It happens a lot. Still doesn't beat what happened to Joe Davidson that one day when he was on the phone. But you were yeah. talking about the Kings bringing uh, young guards uh, along. Yeah, I mean, this is why you you started to build up guys like Keon Ellison and why you've started to build a guy like uh, Colby Jones. Like, these things happen. You have to have replacements, like, on the horizon. And I don't know that either one of those guys can step in and be a Kevin Herter or can be a Malik Monk. Um, but between the two of them, they might be able to take out one of those positions if you had to. And that's just kind of the world you have to live in. If you're going to have high money players at other positions, you eventually run into this, this salary cap wall that you have to get through. And you always have to have a pipeline ready. And this is something like, it's one of the things I really like about Monty McNair's, like past job, right? The Houston Rockets for a long time did it as well as anyone when it came to not only star chasing and going out and trying to get the biggest name possible, but on the other side of developing very specific types of role players and, and using their G League to do it. So like the Vipers, they they were building nothing but like the Daniel Houses of the world, right? And you can create those players at the G league level, you can take a player like Keon Ellis, put him in the right situation, foster, you know, an environment where he can be who he was in college. And he can be that type of player at the pro level. As long as you keep him like pretty much in a refined box and say, look, we don't want you to, you can get better overall as a player. We want you to keep working to get better. Right. But the real work that we want you to do is to get better at what you do. Well, right. So we're not going to sit here and we might throw you in the point guard position just to get you acclimated in case you have to play that position here and there. But the real idea behind that is just to kind of open your eyes up to what the basketball court looks like from a different point of view, from having the ball in your hands and seeing how everything works. The real key is to create like three and D players. And I think you can do that. And you can do that at almost every position at the G League level if that's your intent, right? So that's why I, I take jabs on occasion with this idea that going out and winning a G League title means something. Like, not to be disrespectful to the players on the court, but it, it really doesn't. Mm. Like, if you're running a bunch of 28, 29, 30, 32, 34-year-olds out on your G League squad just going for it, that's that's not great. Like, the only way that that works for me is if you've brought those pieces in to help support the one or two players that you feel like can be real players for the main team down the road. So put them in a 
basically a pro style offense, if you will, and allow them to succeed in, in that pro style offense. Right. And get them acclimated to what it would feel like to be a Sacramento King, not so concerned with, you know, going out there and scoring 25 a night and doing all that stuff. And so, yeah, I, I think, um, like that's one of the good things and whether, you know, it works out for either one of those players or some other player, or, uh, it, it doesn't matter as long as you're trying to build a pipeline like that, where you can bring in players that can actually have an impact at the major, at the, at the NBA level who are mm -hmm. under team control, who are very affordable. So then that way you can have, you know, a De'Aaron Fox, a Demonis Sabonis. You can pay the, the rookie extension for, um, for Keegan Murray. You can bring in a Jeremy Grant or a Kyle Kuzma. You can afford to keep um, a player like Malik Monk around. But, you know, again, Malik is going to be full, fully up to him. The Kings, I believe, would, would go to the, the maximum that they can go. It just it's going to depend on what he gets on the open market, and and I get what Bobby's saying, but I don't know, like it, like again, shooting guards are easier to replace than some of the other positions on the floor, and you can try different things at that position if you needed to. I disagree a little bit, but I'm going to stay with the G League thing for one more second. Do you think they'd be? And this is just us talking. Would they be better suited to like not have like a championship and a playoffs? And I mean, I get why you keep records, but would you be better suited just getting rid of all of that stuff so there's no incentive to try to go win one and you actually focus on the development of these guys? Well, I don't know. But what's the incentive anyways? You know, it's not like you're going to hang a banner at Golden 1 Center if you win a, a G League But it could mean, well, see, this, this is the tough part because it might mean something to those guys on the roster, right? There could no, be I, guys who yep. feel like, I'm a G League guy. Like I, I, you know what I mean? Like they, they recognize it. This is probably the peak of my professional basketball career. If I have something to show for it, G League title. I, 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 there's a championship. Why not go win it? No, I mean I don't think you want to take away that sort of carrot, but I don't think that that should be your your franchise's goal. Like winning a summer league title, it's fun. It's cool, especially if summer league titles are awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, but I would say that summer league titles are almost more important than G League titles because a good portion of your G League guys are, are never going to see the pros. Mm -hmm. And even like the top end of what you have at the G League, the guys that you are spending money and time on, like, again, like Keon Ellis or, or Colby Jones, um, like those guys, I don't know that that's that you can't get like the same joy out of the summer league league experience. And a lot of times at summer league, you do have your top tier prospects there. So then that way that guy can get some confidence in what the NBA is going to look like. You know, guy, what we saw out of Keegan Murray at the California classic where he was just incredible, right? That's, that's a good thing for him to be able to expand his game. You don't see that at the G league. There isn't a, you know, top 10 pick that's going down to the G league and trying to get a whole bunch of burn and coming back up after 25 games and saying, Hey, look what I did. The G league. It, it's more of a, a place where guys are, are it's a proving ground for players. And, and to be honest, I, I think that a lot of it's flawed. There should be a, a way that you can call players up and send them down just like major league baseball has, you know, there, there should be a way that if the, 
the Kings needed, if they had a, a big trade or if they had a rash of injuries and they needed a Stanley Johnson to come up for three games or, you know, uh, Jalen Noel, any of those guys, like come up for three games, go back down, but still retain their rights. To mm -hmm. me, that would make a lot of sense. Just the way that it's structured now. I mean, there's a lot of things I would change. I would add a third round to the draft, especially if you're going to go prime time. Add a third round, mm -hmm. add a couple more two-way players, invest a little bit more in that product so then that way you do actually have a, a an ability to have players find success and that success lead directly to an NBA call-up that, of course, would lead to something else for them. My only concern with that is, and, and, and I'm... And I'm, I'm, I'm I don't want to say fearful. That's a bit dramatic. That we might get to that point, and I feel like it happens now. Like you're gonna these these kids, and I recognize this sounds stupid in today's climate. Some of these kids like leaving school, you know, to be a third round pick in an NBA draft, and and I know a lot of them are getting advised to do it, and a lot of kids have their own reasons to do it. Like man, that ain't it, especially with nil money. If there's like any way you could like just. Go to class. Like stay in school. Like don't be a don't willingly go be the, you know, ninetieth pick in the draft. Especially as like is, a freshman. No, I get I get what you're saying there. Uh, but there are, you know, forty, fifty players that go undrafted every single year that right. put their name in. Yeah. Right. My my concern is actually something totally different. My concern is that it's viewed as the WNBA, how the WNBA was viewed maybe a decade ago where you're putting a lot of money into something and not getting a lot of money back out. Mm. And so that way the experiment ends quicker. So that that's what I would hate to see. I, I think that if you're going to invest, it's got to be a decade of investment of where you're really putting the time and the energy into it. And it's not such a huge like money suck that, that, you know, you're, you're having this problem, whether it's like, you know, a team starts to lose money uh, or, or an owner has financial issues. And then the first thing that goes is that extra thing that you've built on the side. So I think that there can be a way to build all this thing up, but it's gotta be a, a commitment and it's gotta be built into the television contract. And it's gotta be, you know, you know what I mean? It's gotta yeah. have all of these assets to it. When the team is, is basically given a certain dollar amount to put towards their G league product to build up. And and what I don't want to see is just like, it's one thing to, to have a couple of veterans on your team to help you get by. It's a whole other thing to like, just build a, like a super team at the G league level with the hopes of like, what is, what's the end game? Yeah. It doesn't, you know, because most of those guys that you've built it up to, they can't get called up to the league mm -hmm. unless it's a 10 day or it's less, it's your 15th roster spot. Like what the Kings have open now uh, with one just going to end Okay, that that was actually my next question. Did that just quietly end and he didn't come back? I'm like that's it. Um, <laughs> uh, I I wish complicated I question. <laughs> I don't want to get you in trouble. So it's please. it's not complicated. Look, look at James, James is de'airing me. He don't want to talk to me. He's just calm yeah. <laughs> it's not complicated. Um, as of right now, um, I've checked the NBA wire the last couple of days. Uh, there is no like transaction and I could see them actually signing him today and because that way it's a 10 day contract, but 
you could get like six games out of that 10 days. Yeah. Uh, and so it's a little more advantageous than if you would have signed him to a 10 day a few days ago and burned an extra three days of while he's practicing and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, I just say that there's a, a slight breakdown in communication right now between people like me and people who might have that information. James can't go one day without pissing somebody off. I swear. Ain't that the truth? (laughs) That's Uh, the facts right there. uh, I also dis. Now I want to be clear. You said the shooting guard position is probably more easily replaceable than um, a playmaker like 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 Malik. But I don't want to give the impression. I don't think Kevin Herter is super easily replaceable, particularly from a young player on this team. I think having Kevin Herter here, especially in Malik's absence, is major. I'd like to see them both here, but I I I I had never really thought about it the way Bobby Marks, you know, wrote about it and about Kevin you've got to have some assurance at that two guard position. I would very much like Kevin Herter at the two guard position over Kobe Jones or or whoever you want to pick and, and throw into that spot next season. No, if Malik isn't you're, here, is, is, I get what you're point. saying, but that wasn't my point. My, my point to clarify it's the shooting guard position is easier to fill than other positions on the floor. And like we've seen for the last, like, I don't know, decade that the Kings have had trouble finding that other forward, mm-hmm. you know, finding a center that's impactful is, is difficult finding a point guard is difficult, right? That fits your system. Finding a guy who's six foot four to six foot six and loves to shoot the ball. There's a lot of those dudes around and that's what I met. And I don't think by any stretch of the imagination are either Kevin Herter or Malik Monk as individuals like easily replaced. Mm -hmm. But if I had to choose a position that I could replace somebody, it might be that position because you can go if it lands you Jeremy like, Grant. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I mean. Mm-hmm. So if it if it lands you the six foot seven guy with the seven foot three wingspan that can defend all these these long athletic uh, forwards that keep getting by you, like that's that to me is a big deal. Like this team has had a real problem filling some of the well finding that player, you yeah. know. It, it's got to be more than long and athletic. It's got to be long, athletic, and can play. And that's it's not an easy thing to fill. And so, like, I think as the smaller you get at positions, except for, you know, maybe the point guard being so in such a, a crucial position on the floor, but the smaller you kind of get, the, the shooting guard position to me has always been one that you should be able to fill, right? You should be able to go out there and find a shooting guard. And that, again, it's not to disrespect either one. Finding a guy like Malik Monk is way more difficult than finding a starting shooting guard, in mm-hmm. my opinion. You know, like I've, I've told you this before, like I, I've written a piece called uh, Searching for Bobby Jackson, basically playing off the idea of searching for Bobby Fisher, uh, the chess champion. And I thought that Jeff Petrie spent the last half of his career in Sacramento searching for the next Bobby Jackson and never found it mm-hmm. like the Quincy Doobies of the world, the Jimmer for of the world. I think Isaiah Thomas, but then Isaiah Thomas becomes more to you than that. And like, there was always this, this want to find this player that could do what Bobby could do. 
and it's just a rare, rare player that can can handle the ball, can set up some guys that can bring that type of energy and who will accept that role. And uh, to me, you know, guys like Jamal Crawford and uh, Lou Williams are just so incredibly valuable. Uh, even uh, Jordan Clarkson, like super, super valuable long-term to a team. And Malik Monk fits right into that mold as long as he accepts that role. You talk about bringing that type of energy. You were talking about that stretch forward, shoots a lot and can defend, or that wing player, you didn't say stretch forward, but that wing player who shoots a lot and can defend. With energy, with Malik, it feels like there can be, we saw it, I think, a bit with JaVale the other night. There can be, your favorite player, there can be a domino effect to energy, right? Malik does it regularly. JaVale did it with the crowd. You felt like a little boost there, even though the Kings had the game pretty well in hand at that point. Do you think that's the case with defense? Because we keep talking about a defender, a defender, a defender. Like, we're literally talking about one person. Is one person going to come in here, a potentially really good one? Could one person come in here and create a domino effect that you have this one really engaged, really, really good defender, and it boosts everybody else's defensive efforts the same way, you know, we talk about the energy of Malik Monk? Yeah, I mean, I think that that can be the case. I think we've seen it with even Keon Ellis this year, where he's brought a defensive energy that was different. But I understand what you're talking about. You're talking about bringing in one player. You know, the the question used to be OG Ananobi because he was like sort of the the dude out there that everyone wanted, including myself, for for this roster. Um, but and I think he could have done a lot of work. Uh, and I think Jeremy Grant could could be a really really strong defender for a team like the Kings. But I think it's the impact that it has on the players around them. So if all of a sudden Keegan Murray isn't your best perimeter defender, but Jeremy Grant is, then you have Keegan Murray to use on the second best player that they have, you know, and mm-hmm. if you find a really, really good defensive guard, and that's where I kind of just throw it out there that I think you can find other types of guards that would play really well in this system and help you. If you could find a defense only guy, right? So like a Royce O'Neal who hits a three, but realistically, his only job is to play really, really stout defense at the shooting guard spot. That takes pressure off of everyone. It takes pressure off De'Aaron Fox because he no longer has to defend the toughest guy. It takes pressure off Demonis Sabonis because now he's not going one-on-one with a guard running downhill that beats somebody on the perimeter. It takes pressure off of both your forward positions because all of a sudden they're not rotating all the time as weak side, uh, weak side shot blockers. So there is a trickle down that can happen with one great defensive player. And let's be honest, like if we look at the, the 2002 Sacramento Kings, there's only one plus defender in the starting lineup. There are some guys who are okay. Defensively Peja Stoyakovich was okay. Chris Weber was okay. You know, position defender Vlade was okay. Mike Bibby was not, but Doug Christie was the one guy and look how much that pressure that took off of everybody. That's who defended Kobe Bryant. That's who defended Allen Iverson. That's who defended anyone who could score 30 points a night on the perimeter. It was Doug. And so, yeah, one guy can have a lot of, a lot of things that that you're looking for. Uh, We'll come back. Uh, James Hammond, the insiders here with us the rest of the hour. We'll talk about something Mike Brown brought up to you guys over the weekend uh, that is really, really, really becoming glaring 
when you watch basketball every night. The Pelicans put up 153 points, and what the Kings did last year just doesn't seem to be special anymore. We'll talk about that. We deal with Casey with our man James Ham return here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. Casey's on load management uh, for the rest of the show. He's gearing up for, he's getting himself hyped up, even more hyped for the NFC Championship this weekend, which we'll talk a lot more about uh, tomorrow and in the coming days. He will join me on KSFM though, uh, coming up here in about 30 minutes. But uh, we're happy to hang out with our man, James Ham, who's with us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday here on d and KC. And, of course, Monday through Friday on the Insiders with Kyle Masson and this week uh, with Jesse Tapia. Mike spoke to you guys this weekend uh, as the Kings. It's a really weird stretch for the Kings. I started to look around because even without, you know, the uh, circumstances in which the Warriors, you know, canceled two games, their last scheduled game was like Saturday and their their first scheduled game since then is is it might it might even been Friday, is tonight. And I started looking around the league. There are quite a few teams that had like four or five day breaks, and then you got the Kings that kind of had that extended break before Atlanta. Now then then they had like a couple more days before this game against the Warriors. It's just a really weird stretch that I'm guessing isn't going to happen again in the league but it seems to be happening all over the league at this exact moment. Yeah, I think it might have something to do with the NFL playoffs, but I'm not sure. Hmm. I, I found it really strange. I don't remember another time where we had Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. Yeah. And the Kings practiced on Saturday and Sunday. We we had practice on both days. Um, I had show prep on Sunday, so I wasn't there. But yeah, there's been a lot of conversation. Mike has been there a lot. Uh, you know, we've And there are times where like, we get to a pregame, and Mike is talking, won't ask a question. I know people like, ask a question. It's like, because we talked to a dude like yesterday and the day before. Like, mm-hmm. what else do I ask him? Like, I'm not going to ask a question, ask a question, and waste people time. So, uh, yeah, it's been a lot. Uh, but, you know, again, I, I think sometimes it's good to get these these couple of days because once you have a seven-game road trip leading up the, to the trend, like, all bets are off. We have yeah. no idea back when this thing gets, when they uh, they fly back into yeah, and we didn't play any of it, but as as was talking about there, Mike did speak again for almost 15 minutes. Over the week, he talked about this team and they look on offense and kind of mentioned where they're ranked offensively. And you look around the league, James, they're doing what the Kings did this year is just the, this year. We saw 153 points from the Pelicans. We're seeing the pace on a night-in, night-out basis put up these outrageous numbers. The Sacramento Kings led the league in per game last season just ahead of the Golden State Warriors. And this year, if you take last year's numbers, which they're not at, if you took last year's numbers and plugged them in this year, it's good for like fourth. They'd be behind the Pacers, behind the Celtics, probably some teams that you wouldn't think about. And it's it's this weird like okay the Sacramento Kings, it it I think it plays a part into the vibe feel of the season. The Sacramento Kings aren't playing as well offensively. They're about the same as they were last year, but everybody else is better. And that one thing that Sacramento did was really special. Man, we're 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 seeing on a regular Tuesday. Yeah, I think I'll add to that too. Where the Kings are defensively is right where they were last year. But their defense now isn't 24th in the league. It's like 17th. Like, whatever's happening, it feels like maybe the Kings 
somehow like broke through the this imaginary ceiling and when they did it all of a sudden everybody else is like all right let's just go for it and there is such a lack of defense going on yeah. that i haven't looked around the league either to see when we talk about sort of the disparity in in you know kings with blowout losses right how it's like 11 or 12 on the season with blowouts where 10 points or more but it's a larger percentage of them are more like 15 or more like true games where it doesn't feel all that close. Right. I haven't looked at other people's other teams to see if they're all having the same thing, but I'm going to guess that there are a lot more this year, just as on the league as a whole, because what we're seeing is this like offensive revolution that we're, you know, it's just wild. I just looked at, I think last year, the Kings were at one eighteen point six or offensive mm-hmm. rating. 118.6 this season is eighth. It would be eighth best. Um, and and again, like that's offensive rating. And and the Kings are at 116.5. So they are off considerably, you know, from from last year's numbers, which is why they're 12th in the league. But their defensive rating is 115.8. And 115.8 again is 17th in, in the league. 115.8 last year and uh like last year's defensive rating was a 116 and that was good enough for 24th. So their defense is almost the same. It's, it's 0.2 better. And that's not 0.2 is, you know, that can change from one night to the next. Um, the offensive rating is, is a little off because it's down a full two points per game. Um, but especially if the league as a whole is doing that, so I would like to see their offense go back to what it was, but let's be honest, like Keegan Murray got off to a really bad shooting start. And um, not only that, but uh, you know, not only did Keegan get off to a bad shooting start, but so did uh, Kevin Herter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so like a lot of these guys weren't playing to their potential or weren't playing to the the player that we saw last year. Yeah. I, 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 I didn't go through every team in the league. But I looked at teams around Sacramento, maybe a maybe a week or so, when the double digit loss was a big conversation, and there wasn't a massive disparity between the Kings. It, the Kings from the maybe six or seven teams that we looked at, they did have more. It was maybe to the tune of like eleven to like eight, right? It wasn't like eleven to five or eleven to four. And this is with teams like Dallas. This is with teams that are kind of in the vicinity of where Sacramento is record-wise. The number that stood out, though, was the 20-point losses because they had, I think, the 230-plus to the Pelicans, and at the time they had had, and I don't think it's changed since then, they had had like two or three other 20-plus point losses that had put that total at five. So you had double-digit losses at like 10 or 11, but five of those were by 20-plus, two of those five, we're at 30 plus, And that was the part that was like, what are we looking at right now? It's what brought their, you know, it, it, for it, like three games, it felt like their, their point differential was 0.0. Yeah. They just broke even everywhere. They'd blow someone out, they'd get blown out. And it ultimately just ended with a point differential of nothing. Yeah. And I think that's where the Kings have been at almost all season long, like neutral or a little bit under, uh, just because some of the losses have been so egregious and, you know, a lot of good wins, 
but I don't think that they've they haven't had like the the drag a team like 40, 45 uh, that would sort of sway that thing huge one way or another. Um, yeah, it's just an odd season. Like I don't if like we keep getting these conversations with Mike Brown, right? And how many times can you ask him the same exact thing? Like, you know, what is going on? Why do we have these big swings? But I think it's it's really tough as a coach when you're trying to figure out what's wrong with the team. And you're trying to show them like how you can improve, but, but some of these tapes are just so bad overall, and there's no way to use them as, as really any type of, of teaching tool. And then we get to this set of games here where they lose three and they win one, but all of them are reasonably close games. You can go through and teach so much. Like this is what we're talking about. This is the finer nuanced stuff that we need you to do. We can't have you drop to here. We need you to drop to here. We can't have you uh, like lead a player to the middle of the floor. You know, that's not our defense. We always push towards the sidelines. You know, if we're going to do this, then, you know, I need, if, if we're going to have uh, like push a guy way out, then I need to have somebody having like the weak side uh, shot blocking position covered. Like all of these little nuanced things where you can actually show somebody where they made a mistake at least you have some of that game footage now because before you didn't there, there was too many games where it just like, it was bad basketball one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Like somebody played bad basketball, whether it was your team or it was the other team. And it made the tape like not even watchable at some point. I know there is something that Mike says all the time that we're more concerned about ourselves. And we, we were studying our, you know, what we're doing wrong. And I get that, but there's also something like, when you beat someone by 25 and your offense was moving perfectly the whole game, right? Like how much are you learning from that? Is that just really bad defense or is that that your offense was so good? Did you hit five shots early on and broke their spirit? And then the whole game just snowballed out of control or was it, you know, was there a reason why you guys were able to have so much success? And at the end of the day, that's why you, you like close games. And that's why I think, the Kings had so many close games last year, which made them really interesting on a nightly basis, but also it was really, really good training. It was really, you just had so much good game footage to watch and ways to improve yourself throughout the season. De'Aaron said it today. Harrison said it today. Mike has said it. Domas and Malik have said it. They've all specifically said, we've got to finish games. We've got to finish games. Why there it's it's one of those things where it appears they're all aware of the issue, but they're struggling with exactly how to fix it. And it's kind of like the you 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 said for the beginning that you used the analogy at the beginning of the game, did they hit a couple of shots and break your spirit? Some it it feels like a couple of things go wrong at the end of a game and it breaks their spirit. Because they're all aware from the coaches to every star player. They're aware of what's happening. It just appears they don't quite know how to fix it. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that. And I, I'd even, I'd compare it to the 49ers, right? The 49ers throughout the whole first quarter of the season just thrashed everybody. It was like 20-point game after 20-point game, you know, vict margin of victory. Like, it, it wasn't all that close. Then they get to this group of games where they're missing some players, and it gets a little tight. And they have a kicker who's young, misses a field goal. They lose to uh, they lose to the Browns. You get to the Minnesota game. They make one stupid mistake at halftime. 
And then again, you missed a field goal. You had a couple of missed passes and, and things went a little bit awry, awry and you lost there. Then you get to this other game where you just, just got beat flat out. You got beat, you reset yourself and you came back and you went right back to beating everybody by 20 or 30 points. There comes a point with, with most teams where learning how to win is a huge thing. And I would say that for the most part, this season, the Kings really didn't have to fight to win games. They either thrashed somebody or they got thrashed. So all of a sudden you get in three games in a row that are super close. You just hadn't gone through the process of winning games. Like crushing somebody. Yeah, you got into the process of that. But we all know what when you crush somebody, that means that, you know, Keon Ellis and Kessler Edwards and Colby Jones and uh, name that King is on the floor. And in the last, you know, eight minutes of the game, those are good things because your starters are getting a little bit of rest. But at the same time, your starters aren't learning anything from that, from those eight to 10 minute burst. Then you get into these games that are close that are tight and you make mistakes. Maybe it's because you hadn't been there. You hadn't been there in eight months, six months since, you know, the playoffs or, or before that. And I think this is part of, you know, the maturation of a team is typically to learn how to compete, learn how to compete all the way for 48 minutes, uh, learn how to like make it close when, last four or five minutes of a game and then figure out a way to win. And then once you figure out a way to win, you got to figure out a way to win consistently. And that's how you sort of progress in a season. I just don't think the Kings had any of those steps. They just went straight to bombing teams or getting bombed each and every night. Well, speaking of getting bombed, I didn't know how to segue that. Uh, Adam Schefter reports. Jim Harbaugh is leaving Michigan to accept the head coaching job with the loss Angeles Chargers. Hmm. Um, Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan finally after years of teasing it uh, in winning a national championship this year uh, is headed to coach the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, That's obviously a huge get for the Chargers. It felt like he was the biggest name out there. The Chargers felt like the best job available and we were having a conversation on this show earlier, Hammer, with Jesse about the remaining vacancies uh, left in the National Football League. There's still a handful full of coaching vacancies, and it feels like this was the big domino, and we'll see Atlanta, Washington, Carolina, uh, those other open jobs start to fill their spot now that they know uh, Harbaugh is uh, joining the Chargers. And James froze again. I kind of knew James froze froze because he oh oh there he is there he is there, James is back James is back um, I think these vo- vacancies around the league will be filled pretty quick now that Harbaugh has accepted this job. Yeah, I think the next big one to to go is is where does Belichick go if he's going to go somewhere? Um, yeah, that's, and once a, that's known. That's an interesting one because he doesn't have to coach this year, and that's the conversation we were having earlier was. It feels like, especially because of Justin Herbert, the Chargers is the best job available. Well, what like what's like what's the next best job? And there's speculation. It's Atlanta. Go ahead, Jesse. I'm just gonna say Bill Belichick's only interviewed with one team too. It's only been the Falcons while everyone else has been getting underway. Okay, hmm. I, I get. And he's interviewed twice, yeah, twice, right? Okay, he's just there for the free dinners. Could be, could be that. Yeah, uh, you know, like I, I think your initial question though was. You know, well, he doesn't have to coach this year. Like, 
that dude's almost 72. Like he doesn't get to coach forever. Mm-hmm. And so, I, you know, it's kind of like how many years do you want to, if you're going to, if you're going to get back in the game, you kind of need to get back in the game now. And, and so that way you at least have, you know, a couple of seasons with the team to, to figure out what you're doing and where you're going. I agree. You're, you're right. You're right. And I forget that Bill Belichick is 72 years old. I also just look at Buffalo and the noise around Sean McDermott. You know, he's up there with McVay and Kyle Shanahan in a group after John Harbaugh and Mike Tomlin as the longest tenured coaches in the league in Buffalo, you know, continuously losing to Kansas City. I'm not of the belief that Sean McDermott should be fired. I'm just aware of noise regarding Sean McDermott, and it makes me wonder what, you know, what's the vibe headed into next season. And if you're Harbaugh, or excuse me, if you're Belichick, and you really don't like these jobs that are available, Jesse points out he's only interviewed with Atlanta. Maybe in the end you don't like Atlanta. Maybe you're holding out at the thought perhaps Buffalo becomes available sooner rather. If it's a risk, it's certainly a risk, but coaching a bad football team with the legacy Belichick has could be a risk as well. No, I get that. Though I don't think uh, Atlanta's a bad football team for the record. If you're taking one of these other jobs, like Atlanta's not though. Yeah, yeah. And like look at you know, we're talking about a guy who who's getting up there in age. Like, what if he does what if he does coach five years in Atlanta, mm-hmm. whatever? And, and then you got a five year waiting period to Hall of Fame. I, I I think. I think it's the same for coaches. I don't know. Like he's a, he's a really good, uh, I, you know, I think he's probably the best coach ever been around the NFL. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, you know, he's in the like discussion. Like there's no question. There's no question. Like if the conversation about the best coach in NFL history, Bill Belichick is in that discussion. Only a handful of guys are. Yeah. I would say to the one thing that takes away from, I think his legacy is that he doesn't have the truth. Right. Mm-hmm. So there isn't yep. a big Bill Belichick tree where, you know, again, we're still right now, as we sit here, we're watching half of these coaches are part of the Bill Walsh coaching. They might be like really, really extended branches of the, uh, the Bill Walsh coaching tree, but Andy Reed isn't. And, you know, I, I think even Kyle Shanahan isn't that far removed from the same exact tree. Like mm-hmm. a lot of these guys, are from that. And, and that's something where I just don't know. That's something that should, it should be part of his legacy. And part of the, the question you have about who he's been as a coach is just that he hasn't been able to pass it down where, you know, look around the NBA, like Greg Popovich coaching tree is, is huge. Even, um, you know, Phil Jackson has a, a pretty solid coaching tree. A lot of these guys, like they paid it forward so well. And I don't know the bell check you can say that about. Yeah, his tree's rotten. That's what his tree is. Like if he he's he's got branches, they're just all rotten and have fallen off or they produce poison fruit or something like that. It was terrible. Uh Harbaugh really did have an incredible NFL record during his time with the 49ers. 44-19 and 1. That's a that's that's he's he's the, the, the Jim's thing is always he's a unique guy. And if you're willing to as a as a as a grown if you're in that Chargers locker room and you're a grown ass man, you have to be willing to deal with the fact that your new head coach is a little eccentric. He's different. He's not Bill Belichick. He's not Kyle Shanahan. He's he's a great coach 
who's just a little bit different. He approaches no, he is different. Yeah, and I, but he's still a really good coach. I oh, you absolutely. Know, and I, I think he's gonna he's gonna make that a really really strong program very quickly because uh, that's typically what he does. He's able to build a program really quick. I love when we talk and, and about college no, coaches. We use the term program instead of team. Yeah, like but he's, he's, <laughs> I, I get what you're saying, but I, I would say that even like the 49ers, it felt like a program with him. Sure. You know, like he was able to get the thing up and running like very quickly. And, um, you know, however it is that he does it, you know, he, he's got a an idea and an identity to what he does that that uh, is able to be built really quickly. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think the Chargers, you know, again, that's the job that if I were a coach of his ilk and was wondering what should be my next job, like go get me the one with at least let's start with a frontline quarterback mm-hmm. and then I can go got from it. there. Yeah, he, if I don't have that, then I've got to search for it and that can take you two or three years. And that's what Bill's going to have to do if he takes the Atlanta job because that's the position they don't have. There's an argument that they have a roster, but they don't have that position. Los Angeles has a roster, uh, and it has mm-hmm. that frontline quarterback that you're speaking of. And shout-out to our boy Antonio Pierce, because, man, he's got his work cut out for him now in the division. I don't like him, but Sean Payton is there. Uh, they had a little turnaround at the Denver Broncos during the season. You have Andy Reid for my money when you talk about the greatest coaches of all time. You could throw him in there as part of the conversation. Um, and now you've got now you've got Jim Harbaugh uh, in your division. So shout out to Antonio Pierce, uh, the new head coach for the Las Vegas Raiders, buddy, because you got your work cut out for you against those guys. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I like we were talking about the coaching tree. Is it crazy to say that uh, that Kyle Shanahan's coaching tree is bigger than it, it's stronger than Bill Belichick's? It's not crazy. Point? It's accurate. It's a hundred percent accurate. Yeah. I mean, look at you, you look at the Texans. Hell, the Jets were a Super Bowl favorite when they had that goofball as the quarterback to start the season. That's Miami. those are those are man, those are those are three those are three Kyle Shanahan guys right there. That's incredible. Uh, it doesn't even speak to like his relationship with like Matt Lafleur, like that whole crew of like Lafleur, uh, Sean McVay, and 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 um, Kyle Shanahan. Man, that 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 branch. Spreads throughout the NFL. Uh, those yep. are good. Those are yeah, good coaches definitely. right there. But uh, uh, Jim Harbaugh on his way to the Los Angeles Chargers. It's a big one. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good little piece of business to talk about tomorrow uh, on the Insiders with James Ham and James. For the first time in a few days, you guys will be able to get ready for a game, and it's one that we actually haven't seen in a while. After seeing it uh, four dozen times in the span of like four months uh it's the kings and the warriors i think for the last time uh tomorrow night is part of uh rivalry week right i think it's called rivals week uh in the nba so yeah, it'll I feel be like every time we think it's the last time they play them again every time like you're like isn't this the last time nope got six more against them seven more <laughs> yeah yeah that's the case that's 100% the case. Um, I'll be locked into the Warriors tonight, though, to be honest. Um, I'll be very, very curious how they play. And I actually, this I think this is a weird situation where it's first night of a back-to-back. I think the Warriors will probably play significantly better tomorrow. I think today is going to be, I, not that they won't play well today. 
I think today is going to be incredibly emotional for them. I think it's going to be really difficult for them. I just saw the arena with the shirts and all of that stuff that they have laid mm-hmm. out. Tomorrow, even though you know their hearts are going to be heavy for a long time, tomorrow is going to be far against Sacramento is going to be far closer to a basketball game, just a regular basketball game, than tonight's going to be. Tonight's going to be really emotional for those guys, and uh, it's going to be difficult. Uh, make sure you're tapped in beginning at 10 a.m. tomorrow. I'm going to head over to 1025. Casey's going to join me here in a little bit, and we've got a lot going on over there, but if you want more sports coverage, don't go anywhere. We'll run it back next on Sacramento Sports Leader, ESPN 1320. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.